French fried potatoes. One more. potato, two potatoes, three potatoes, 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 potatoes more. Five potatoes, six potatoes, seven potatoes more. One potato, two potatoes, three potatoes more. Five potatoes, six potatoes, seven potatoes more. Potatoes. Welcome to the Potato League Podcast with your hosts, Dan and Tom. Thanks, DJ. Thank you, DJ. Uh, welcome to episode 30... I've already lost track. Yeah. 302, maybe? Something. Uh, we haven't recorded in a couple weeks now, like three weeks, two weeks? Two or three. It's been a, it's been a uh, longer than we intended uh, because of weather and something else. Don't yeah. remember. Uh, I have to... Because Maine sucks. Yeah. Oh, my God. We've been dumped on. We got more snow uh, yesterday than my parents did in Greenville. Wow. That almost never happens. Well, they I only know, got, they got like, mumps they got like nine inches. I know in inches. Bangor, they hadn't had a, a, a snow incident where it had been more than 10 inches since 2018. Wow. And they've, we've now gotten two within like two weeks. Yeah. On, add on top of that, January was pretty much negative temperatures. Yeah. Throughout at least a half yeah. a month. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of snow, but. Yeah. It was damn it's cold. cold. Uh, yeah, we ended up, um. Robin, well, she sent me the, the, the picture that she sent me was at 11 o'clock yesterday morning. We had 12 and a half inches, and we've gotten like four since then. Yeah. yeah it, um, did, it didn't really stop when it was. No. It was kind of <laughs> there was two inches out there this morning. Fucking. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yesterday. Cause Andrea, but it's the fluffy stuff. Andrea still had to work. Yeah. So I was out. I was up at five in the fucking morning. Oh, shoveling yeah. at like the end of our driveway. Yeah. Not two minutes. Plow. While I'm standing at the end. Getting, like, the very last remnants fucking plows it in. I was just like... And, and that's when Andrea comes out the door. Yeah, of course. I'm like, son of a bitch. And she's like, what the fuck have you been doing out here? <laughs> you're not here for half an hour. Like, but really, look. Because, I, 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 again, the, the snowplow always comes past our road the same way. Yeah. He goes up on my side of the street. Man, that must be a tricky area to plow. It is. That would suck. I would which hate is, that. Which is why I understand why he does it the same Dan way. Dan lives in a maze-filled hill. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, right off a corner. like So yeah, so he comes around that corner, goes up past my street on my side of the street, turns around at the end of the road in like the little educational center, and comes back down. Yeah. So my side of the street gets 90... Because my, my road isn't part. that wide. Right. So I get 90% of the snow. The other side gets the cleanup. Yeah, and he's the one with the fucking... With the four-wheeler, with the snowblower on the end. Sure. I mean, I've got a snowblower, but still. It's like every time it makes a swipe, it's two feet of snow at the end of my driveway. Yeah. Every fucking time. Snow sucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to apologize. I have to start out with Steven Seagal. I have to get this off my chest. Oh, never apologize for starting with Seagal. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember how it started. I don't know if it just popped up in a recommendation or what, but because uh, it's not like from a big channel. Uh, I started watching these. They're called reviews, but they're not... I guess they're kind of reviews. It's kind of like a review with a cinema sins thrown in. Yeah, Only and he's not he, really counting them. No, and he he basically just gives a synopsis of of the the movie, pointing out the ridiculousness of it, and has some. He's always wikied them and has some little funny behind the scenes stuff about yeah. Seagal getting sued by the producers because he doesn't fucking show up and stuff like yeah. that. Um, and and that's I mean it's not a huge channel. The, the channel is called Red Eye Reviews. I just want to throw that out there. He's he makes uh, Seagal is by far his biggest. Uh, yeah. He's got like he's done all of Seagal's movies. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Which, that in itself. Hold on, we gotta pause. Robin is calling me. Uh, Alright, we're back. Uh, Robin was having some speaker problems uh, upstairs. Uh, the, the, the digital cable that I had for the speaker bar upstairs was way too short for where the TV is hanging on the wall. Mm -hmm. So it's been only been able to connect it via Bluetooth until I get around to ordering a, a cable, which would take me 30 seconds if I wanted to yeah. do it. Uh, but I haven't. Because um, I always, whenever I watch TV in the bedroom, it's with my headphones on. Our sound it's late bar, at night. it's always, whenever you switch it between different inputs, Yeah, you have to like cycle through all the options on uh, the input thing. Or it doesn't like just go over to the next one automatically, like you think it should. I have never, I'm, I get more, fr I've been more frustrated by that. I have never, I've, I haven't been happy with our sound situation in a very long time. I'm still not. And I honestly since the creation of sound bars, I want my like 5.1, 7.1 like speaker setup back. Because while I do enjoy sound bars, they fall into this shit, it feels like way more than just my simple home theater system. Yeah, did. Stuff just doesn't fucking work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, but it's like if I switch from like the the Blu-ray player to just like the Roku, they're yeah. both plugged into the same fucking thing. Yeah. I shouldn't have to go, or or when it chooses to update while you're watching something. <laughs> that's my... No, thank you. Yeah, it, it'll just start, and I'm like, why is it losing fucking sound? And then I see the little, like, <laughs> meter bar go up, and I'm like, pause, wait a minute and a half. And it's like, update complete, thank you. And it's like, why did you choose to do that right now? <laughs> we most recently updated... Uh... When did Queen's Gambit come out? That was the first thing we watched on the new speaker system. It's been a bit. So, I don't know, a couple I say years. That it's been a year and a half, probably. Yeah, but I mean, within the last two years, probably. Two years ago. Yeah. Um, and the subwoofer is great. The, the surround speakers are so-so. But I cannot find... You can't watch anything, uh, like, on a low volume. You kind of have to watch everything in full yeah. blaring yeah. cinema. Because if not, you can't hear the voices. See, I've got mine. Mine, or the can, I can hear the voices just fine. But if it's anything that's like on usually like the back speakers, yeah, which are ones right here, yeah, it's right next to my fucking head. I can't get it, so that's loud enough. Yeah. So there will be times when like I know there is music playing in a scene because again, I watch everything. Oh right. Fucking subtitles on it says, yeah, the song's <laughs> playing in the background. I'm like, I don't fucking hear that. <laughs> like. But if I crank it, then I'll hear it. And I've gone in through the inputs and done the speaker test and all that shit. Oh, yeah. Still not enough. Yeah. Oh, I miss the days of just having a fucking home theater unit that you plug everything fucking into. Right. And that's how it goes. So, Steven Seagal. In uh, the days when Steven Seagal the was popular. The day when Steven Seagal was popular. Which, I guess, to... He really wasn't popular, like, he wasn't, like, popular very, he wasn't he, not a joke for very long. He was a popular for about three years. Yeah, yeah. That was it. I mean, uh, he had, like, a great, like, Out for Justice, Hard to Kill, Under Siege. Uh, marked for Death. Marked for Death. So, like, Under like, Siege. three years, he had, like, a four-year, four films or so. Under Siege was about, about the end. Yeah, because by the time Under Siege 2 came out. He was done. Yeah, Under Siege 2 was the absolute yeah. cutoff. That was the cliff. <laughs> uh, so this guy at Red Eye Reviews, he basically just gives a synopsis and points out the... He tells you... I mean, ju just relaying the synopsis of these movies yeah. is entertaining. 
Oh, yeah. Um, first things first, they are, there's like 50 of them, like I said. The, mo- the ones that you listed, almost everything else is just random words like that. Yeah. Uh, and he, he had a big run during like the late 90s, early aughts, where every movie he was in had a rap star with him. Mm. Like that yeah, was DMX was in one, like, Nas that was, was in one. Not necessarily him. Yeah, the rap star who had never acted before. Ja Rule was in one. Yeah. Um. So, I, some of these I can't do justice. One of that there. So I'll just pick out a couple that I wanted to talk I'm about. One that was never a title can't do justice. <laughs> there are several with the words justice. In oh, the title. I'm sure. <laughs> like at least three that I've seen. I'm about 28 movies in. Uh. So one of them that is not named like that is actually a South Korean movie. Oh, no shit. It's not a good one, obviously. Uh, so this one, every once in a while, Seagal's in something for like five minutes, and he'll do a double feature then, because he's like, I'm not going to do a whole video on this. He's only in it for like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, so this one was part of one of those, because uh, this movie, Clementine, the South Korean movie, mm-hmm. it's about the character that Seagal is playing is like a taekwondo tournament is in like a taekwondo tournament against the main character of the movie mm-hmm. and the main character of the movie it's it's the, the, the plot is irrelevant the fact is Seagal is Seagal's character mm-hmm. is at the very beginning of the movie at this taekwondo thing and then like Seagal himself is like in a five minute scene at the end mm-hmm. I say his character is because the fight scenes are very clearly just another Korean guy. Yeah. It gets better. The post stuff, the post fight stuff, like where he's celebrating that he won, is just very clearly a different American man <laughs> that looks nothing like Seagal, is probably 10 years older than Seagal is at this point, which is 2003 or so. Oh, wow. It's like a 55-year-old man <laughs> jumping up and down. And it's not even, like, from behind or any shit. It's, like, looking like you and I are looking at each other right now. Yeah, something that, like, if you paused it, you would expect to see. But not when it's, like, a no, it's a full, shot. No, it's a scene, yeah. Uh, and to the point where it would be very confusing, like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Because it's... It, I, I feel like they're hoping that the Korean audience has difficulty yeah, this is telling like, American yes, actors It has the, the racial face bias that, yeah. that everyone just naturally has. They're like, yeah, that looks like Seagal. <laughs> I mean, this is the same color hair. Nothing is the same. Uh, the second one, and I only bring up this, all of these are, pretty much all of these are equally awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only bring up this one because I have a question because I wonder if this thing, this is more common. This movie uh, called Flight of Fury, it's about like, He's a fucking stealth bomber. No, he is, I think in that one, he was like, in every one of these, he's either a cop or a special forces badass. Yeah. Uh, That was like, they went to prison for something, and then they, the government hired him to go get back a super secret spy plane or some fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. So there's a lot of, uh, like, fighter jet scenes. And again, this is a 2007 movie. 
So all the the jet scenes look better than they should for a Seagal movie because they're obviously real scenes, but they're also super grainy, like from the 80s. I would say they're probably stolen from, like, U.S. Navy test footage. <laughs> better. Iron Eagle. No, it's like straight up Iron Eagle. It's the flight scenes awesome. from Iron Eagle. Awesome, Chappie! <laughs> and I wonder how common that is, and if that's like, I dare you to sue me, or if they like pay whoever. I don't know. I bet they probably get. I mean, it's it, not like I'm sure the producers of fucking Iron Eagle, because I think that was a canon film. Um, those those guys don't make movies anymore. I'm pretty sure they're both dead. Um, if not, they're. They're, like I said, they're not power players in Hollywood, so they're they're probably like, give you a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's what I footage. wonder. I wonder if it's like, yeah, you can have all our like non-actor, just the jet, yeah, you know, the, the B-roll. I guess you'd call God it. Knows that, who knows if those were even made originally for that film, right? <laughs> and I, I just it's wonder canon. how often they cannibalized all their shit. <laughs> I wonder how 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 much that happens and how how common it is. Because there was another one on the list that. Uh, I didn't, and I don't, again, I've watched like 2080s, can't remember which one. It has a pretty well choreographed and clearly expensive, like, whole kind of, not car chase, but kind of car crash scene around an intersection. Mm-hmm. And, like, sh- trucks are going into other trucks that are blowing up, and there's a shootout and all this stuff. Just completely ripped from another movie. Oh, sure. Like, it looks way better, like, way better than the rest <laughs> of the movie. Uh, it's another shit movie. It was another shit like B movie. Like they, he named it. He showed what it was. He goes, and here's the scene from that movie because it does not fit in the Seagal one very well at all. It doesn't make much sense. It's like, how are we going to get this guy into a truck, into a gas tank? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, like the project you do in high school where you're just yes. making a film and you're like, I... You just, I can't have anything explode, so I'm just going to cut money, move it, you know, moments right. from this because no one's suing a student. <laughs> right, you're just Frankensteining it together. Uh, the last one is is the... The Seagal movie that that just wasn't to be. But it actually makes for a funnier story. So there was one called Attack Force, 2006. Originally, this movie was not only called... It was called Harvester. It was about vampire space aliens. Wow. This movie was written. It was shot. It was finished. The company that bought it hated it. Changed the plot to a, like, a drug gang plot. That makes sense. ADR'd almost all of the dialogue without Steven Seagal's knowledge. (laughs) Very, very little of his actual voice is used in the movie. Like, so, like, almost none of his lines are used. They completely take the alien vampire plot out of it. Uh, Apparently, in in the original thing, the, the... Alien vampires blinked funny. That's how you could tell they were the aliens. They, like, blinked like, sideways. Like, lizard blink or some ah, shit? Yeah, something like that. Um, they actually kept that kind of... And they had funny-looking eyes. Uh, they kept that part of it in and said that that's what the drug did to you. <laughs> awesome. That's great. So I need to see that film. What's it called again? It's called Attack Force. Atta- I mean, wow. they all... I mean, they all that sounds sound like, like a that. 1983, like... Apocalypse movie. They're really attack force. That's I'll just go to his the YouTube and just we can fl- just flip through the. the... So, I mean, part of me kind of loves that shit. Um, a film I recently bought from Vinegar Syndrome. It's called New York Ninja. <laughs> Similar in a way, but not quite. The guys at Vinegar Syndrome were clearing out like 
a vault of old films to see, like, because they, they like to restore these, like, you know, shitty cheap movies and they put them up in nice special editions. And they found a movie called New York Ninja. Nobody knew what the fuck it was. Wait, where are they finding this stuff? Just in, like, old studio vaults. Oh, okay. Because they're like, okay, well, we want to redo this film. We need to do a 4K cleanup of it, blah, blah, blah. And they found this film called New York Ninja. And these guys are, like, hardcore, weirdest-ass films. They know them all. They should know this. And they're all like, what the fuck is this? It was a film that was filmed completely in the 80s. With The sound has long been lost. They have no idea what the actual plot of the movie is, because it wasn't a finished film. It was just, like, cans. It's just going to be, like, the Foley guy is the hero of this? Kind of. Yeah, I haven't watched it. It just arrived, like, a week or so ago. But what they did was they, they took the footage, watched all of it, and then just decided what they could do with it to make a movie out of it, <laughs> and then brought in people to ADR everything. Huh. Yeah. I'm like... I can't wait to watch it because it looks it looks like a 1980s ninja movie, you know, like man on the street fights ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm up on this guy's uh, in his the Seagal uh, playlist is called Karate Corner, and that's how oh, he pronounces it. Oh, it's streaming. Attack Force is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. No way. Is it really? Oh yeah, amazing. That's getting uh, watched this week. So after your above the law hard to kill marked for death, there was also out for justice. Look at the look at look at this look at the beret. <laughs> and here's the thing right here, Marshall Lawson, great name. Yeah, Marshall Lawson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is the commander of an elite military unit. Yeah, of course he is. Yes. Uh, so under siege two was ninety five. After that, he was in uh, executive decision for like five minutes. The Kurt Russell movie. Yeah, um, that that was like the original scream type of ending. Where yeah. it's like the star yeah. of the film, they're like, nope, dead. Yeah. He was dead immediately. Um, yeah, I'm watching the shit out of Attack Force. So around uh, nine, around 2000 is when he started with the DMXs and the Nasses and the... Uh, Half Past Dead. Yeah. So the names of these are like Half Past Dead, The Foreigner, Out for a Kill, Belly of the Beast. There was something about Belly of the Beast that was bananas too, I can't remember what it was. Uh, then you've got your Clementine, Out for Reach, Into the Sun, Submerge, Today You Die, Black Dawn, Mercenary for Justice, Shadow Man, There's Your Attack Force, Flight of Fury, that's the one with the Iron Eagle shit. Urban Justice was pretty bananas. That one's got Eddie Griffin in it. Yes, it does. Not, and, like, not prime popular no. Eddie Griffin. No. Uh, oh, pistol Whip. Pistol whips. Uh, Kill Switch. Kill Switch is the the most recent one that I watched, and he said this is the worst one I've seen so far. Wow. So Kill Switch, yeah, Kill Switch is pretty fucking bad. Against the Dark. See that one looks like it should be. Don't vampires. spoil it. I haven't seen. it. Yeah, it is about vampires. Okay. I watched the first like minute of it. That oh. one's. I won't spoil anything because, in honesty, I haven't seen a Seagal <laughs> film since probably Under Siege Two. Yeah. So post two thousand three is when he started, when Hollywood stopped giving him money. <laughs> and he started self-producing everything. it's so weird to think about, like, just how popular he was for, like, that short mm. amount of time. Because, like, I remember, like, we would all, you know, our group of friends would always talk about, like, who could kick each other's ass. Oh, yeah. Van Damme or Seagal. Yeah. And it was, like, everybody's like, oh, it's because Seagal, because he's so much fucking cooler. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Van Damme might be smaller than him, but Jesus Christ. At least Van he Damme, was in shape. It <laughs> still is. Yeah. Like, like he's uh, still making fucking kickboxer films. Uh, 
Seagal, Steve starts to look puffy around 2000. Yeah. Pretty puffy. I mean, say what you will about Van Damme. He knew exactly what he was. Which is the the, exact opposite the, lynch, of the linchpin of Seagal's personality is his complete lack of self-awareness. I mean, he was a fucking, like, on a cop show. He still is. Is, is, like, is it still on the yes, air? Yes, he's Like still, Steven Seagal, Lawman or some he, shit? After he ran out of movies, he started reviewing that show. I See, I'm not even close to the end. Look, see? Lawman. Yeah, he started yeah, doing... He, I, well, I, maybe... I, might be a new one. 2009. Well, no, yeah, because I think... He was on one where he was in, like, New Orleans. Yeah. Where? <laughs> and it would have been the best because Nick Cage lives in New Orleans, and at that time was, like, crazy-ass Nick Cage. Yeah, yeah. would have been if great if there had been a crossover and he had yeah. to arrest, like, Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> Tom Segura does a bit on it on awesome. one of his specials. I can't remember which one. Uh, so the recurring themes from Seagal stuff, I thought I should go over those real quick. Hey, wait, there, hold on. There's Tilly. Okay, so recurring themes. Tilly was coming down for some water. Uh, the Ridiculous Jackets. Oh, yeah. There's one I can't... Especially his Asian phase. Where, yeah, like, well, there's all kinds of... Like there's straight there's, up, like, China. There is... Uh, there's an Asian... Fa- there's kind of a, a similar... They're oversized because he's fat. Yeah. Uh, no, he's not. They're he's all, in great shape. Yeah, they're all at minimum three-quarter length. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, two sizes too big. Yeah. Um, he had... They're all... Some combo of this. They're either uh, Native American, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, Asian, or just straight up leather. Yeah, because, oh, God, what was the one? Yeah, because he had a film where he played, like, it was right around the time of Under yeah, Siege yeah. 2. Yeah, it was down, fire down below. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he was all about the rainforest and Native oh, there's Americans. A couple, there's and a couple of them. Uh, that e- <laughs> Sagal, eco-warrior. That is another uh, one of the... <laughs> Recurring themes is the recurring plots. Yeah. I texted you at one point, uh, when we were 11 movies in, the guy noted five of these 11 movies have had the exact same plot. You know, within varying yeah. degrees of whatever. They were the same Mad Lib base. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that is another one of them, is him take being kind of the, the eco... He's murdering for the... For the <laughs> for <Burton> Gully. <laughs> you know, the murders he's committing are uh, to save the planet. Why isn't James Cameron putting him in Avatar? <laughs> why uh, is that not on the Why is that not on the docket? The sunglasses. Oh yeah. Um, he's been wearing. He's now. They They've just kind of slowly transitioned into those yellow things. I'm not at that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, he's still in the dark sunglasses phase. Um, this is where it gets to. Uh, the fact that he's making these movies and you know that he's making these movies and he's making script changes because that's when you really get into every fucking movie has one or both of these things. A strip club scene Mm -hmm. and or he has a way too attractive significant other Mm -hmm. that plays no role in the film other than to have a sex scene with Steven Seagal. Gotta get her titties on him. He, yes, he has to have one of those in every movie. Even if it, there's one movie that, that I think it's one of the ones I just watched. It might have been Kill Switch even, not, not to give it away, or maybe Pistol Whipped. The last five minutes of the movie, this whole thing happens where he's got this girlfriend and Sheila, I don't remember what happens, but it it takes place in the city. He's a cop or whatever, of course. Um, And at the end, he just like straight up. Oh, he gets commit. He gets accused of a crime or something. I don't fucking know. But if, oh, at the end, he just for no reason 
retires and disappears. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to, in the, like, this is the last five minutes, it cuts to a scene of him walking into this luxurious house in this uh, super attractive uh, group of kids <laughs> and this way too attractive wife <laughs> is greeting him. <laughs> like, what, what happened? How did this happen? These people were never mentioned. Awesome. It's like clearly in a different country because she's speaking a different language. She's like speaking Italian. Of course. And then the the movie ends with her like, because he's been away apparently living this other life as a gritty cop in like Detroit or something. <laughs> she leads him up to the bedroom, takes her shirt off, and he like closes the door. And that's how the movie ends. I that's fe- the last five minutes. I, I feel like the producer said, no, this needs to be 130 minutes. Needs to be 90 minutes. <laughs> It's 125, what you got? And he's like, I know how to fill that yeah. time. Oh, not even that. Just last movie I shot, we didn't use this scene. Oh, yeah. You, you, you want it? <laughs> so there's one of those in everyone. Does he at least produce these films? Yes. Is he, okay, I'm like, yeah. tell me at least he gets producer credit yeah. on this oh, shit. Oh, yeah. He's, he, there's tons of him credit at the beginning of all of these. Yeah. Uh, the obvious script changes where there's, Attack Force has maybe the best one. Um so I won't spoil it if you're going to watch it. Oh, I'll watch it, yeah. Where he just gets constant and yeah, out got, of place. He's got 50 producing credits yeah, out oh, of his no 59 doubt. acting jobs. No doubt. And this is the best part. Oh, this is not the second best. 15 writer credits. Yep. Seven soundtrack credits. Oh, yes. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot <laughs> to put that on the current thing. A lot of the time, the closing credits yep. is him. Wow, he performs like six songs yeah. on fucking Into the Sun. Yeah, there's one where he is, it's not his character, yep. he's in a disguise, He's huh. they're playing, I think they're playing at a strip club, he, uh, as fi- per usual. Fire Down Below, Glimmer Man, that was, I remember that one being a big one, yeah. Glimmer Man at the video store, Under Siege 2 he performed something, Yeah, out for, out for Justice, even on, even on Mark for Death and... A lot of the closing credit credits is him. Uh, there's there's one where he is in a band that is playing like in the movie. It's not his character. He's in a disguise. He like has a white beard on, just so he can be in the band in the movie. He directed on Deadly Ground. That's the one film he's directed. He decided it wasn't for him, I guess. No. Um, hey, he did everything on that. The he's all- trying to be like the Robert Rodriguez of that film. The other recurring thing, uh, mostly starting with 2003, we've already kind of touched on, was all the his lines just get replaced completely. Because mm-hmm. he either whispers them, or they just straight up change the lines. Yeah. And some movies, it is three or four different voices, and it's <laughs> jarring. Awesome. Uh, the last one, and the most just peak Seagal cringiness, is... <laughs> whatever race he's around, he speaks stereotypically to them. Yeah. It is super uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable I that mean, you... I remember him do, him doing that, and I think, was it marked for death with screw this? With the Jamaican? He, he His voice started kind of taking on a Jamaican yeah. accent. It's really... It's to the... It's it's uncomfortable to the point that you kind of burst out laughing. Yeah. that That's a good description of just Seagal in general. It is... So uncomfortable. Like, if he is around, and the guy, the red-eye, the review guy, they go, oh boy, Seagal's around two African-Americans. You know what this means. And immediately he just starts, he goes right in on the, 
I can't even do it. I can't even, I can't do it marked for justice, out for justice. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, if he's around Asian people, he's bowing and, oh, so good. And <laughs> if he's around, God forbid he's around uh, Mexicans or Latino people because then he, oh, it's, oh, yeah. it's insufferable. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's bad. It's downright hateful almost. <laughs> And you almost, you almost expect the 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 other actor to be like, "The fuck did you just say to me?" Yeah, like, what? <laughs> what? Looking off camera, like, yeah. did, did this fucking it, guy just? <laughs> I wasn't told about this. <laughs> I know I'm the villain. But come on, man, I have feelings. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is. It's and it's 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 like every time, uh, and he always talks about. This is another recurring uh, Seagalism. He talks about how many languages he speaks, never actually speaks them. Yeah. It's like, no, just saying something with a with a horrifically bad Mexican, <laughs> like his Mexican accent, does not mean you speak Spanish. There's one scene in one of the ones I just watched where this has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, I guess. He walks up to a, a street food vendor who is Asian and asks her if she's Korean, if she speaks Korean or Japanese. And she said, I speak both. And he goes, oh, I speak both too. And that's the end of the scene. Instead of asking for something in one of those languages, it, right, <laughs> right, he they both have just told each other yeah. that they speak both Korean, Japanese, and clearly English. Yeah, yet never speak the other two. It's at the crazy. very least, high, at least high five each other it's and walk crazy. away. Man. <laughs> and the, and there's no other reason for the scene. It's just other than now you can say I had to speak Japanese and Korean in that film. <laughs> <laughs> it's all from the cut. You it's all look. from the cut, cut, cut footage. Oh you know? my gosh, it's really. Uh, well, he's just such a bizarre guy. Because I know every once in a while, yeah. like on like YouTube, the his martial arts showcases oh will pop up. Yeah, and it's just clearly people taking a dive yeah. fighting him. Like they'll run up and he'll just like grab their hand and they'll like. I mean, it makes wrestling look real compared to oh what he yeah, does. because well because well, at least in wrestling they're they're trying yeah like, and they're athletic. He'll just grab a guy's arm and they'll like do a flip yeah. and then fall. Yeah. The other guy's doing a lot of work. Oh, he's doing all the a work. A ton of work. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's really he's really something. I mean, yeah, he might have been a good martial artist back in the day. I don't know if he was, but that's though. The thing. He's so clearly insane about this shit now, it makes me call into question everything. Yeah, I, I don't like, know if he, I don't know if he Did he always just sell this that he could? Right, I think he's just kind of a con man. Yeah. and just, At least partially. And because he, at least back in the day, was a bigger guy... He's looked, yeah, looked, that's, me looked menacing. That's the part that, uh, like, and the the guy says that. that that's the part you, that that is legit. You know, Steven Seagal is like six four. Yeah, I'm guessing like two eighty at yeah. this point. But when he <laughs> he's like big. Six, but when he was like six four two ten. Yeah, you're like, I bet he. he there's a chance he could. Fuck if he off. did slap me like that, it would hurt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he does love to slap people. Yes, the slapping has just taken on <laughs> levels that you can't even imagine at this point. And the quick cuts are. Dizzying. Well, that's because can't, he can't do anything now. <laughs> oh no! It's I mean, literally, the only shots you see of of uh, of Seagal are very in fights. Is very close up, and he's just yeah. doing the, the slap in front of the face thing. It's so because it's almost like he took the worst characteristics of Nick Cage and Jean Claude Van Damme. Because like Nick Cage that is doing a disservice to those two. I think that's why I'm thinking it's the worst parts. Because like it's, it's Nick Cage's ability to be in anything. Sure. Combined with. I can I add at a least third the martial arts kind of. I'm going to add a third into this Venn diagram. Okay. Uh, the effort level of Bruce Willis. 
There you go. Right in the middle where now you've, got, you have... you've got Kung Fu, Nick Cage. Got, yeah. yeah. Jesus, that's a damn... We've, we're on to something here on Update League Podcast, folks. We have just Venn diagrammed how Steven Seagal came into being. God, what an awful person. Uh, but I can't stop watching these. I'm, I, I'm like I, said, I think I'm like 28 movies in. So I, so fortunately, I still got like 25 to go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about good movies. Okay. Um, I have mine kind of. I've Actually, a- before we go into good movies, I want to talk at least one Nick Cage movie that had. <laughs> Has the most insane fucking plot I've come across. But and like I said, Nick Cage does these a lot of these direct-to-video films. Yes. And he puts in an he puts in effort. Like yes. no matter how fucking bad the film is, he's trying something. Although in one film I just watched with him and um oh Christ, I gotta find it. Again, the names all start to fucking go together. Was it looking glass? was an army of one. The odd thing about him while you're looking for that is... Uh, <clears throat> Arsenal. He still does stuff like Pig. Yeah. Arsenal has uh, Adrian Grenier as the main character. Nick Cage is kind of like a, dr- oh, good. Like a drug dealer in this. He is straight up doing Tony Clifton. <laughs> no fuck... Like, not... Got the big mustache. Got the big hair. Got the suit. Got the... Got the attitude and the... The, infl- the verbal inflections. He is just straight up doing Tony Clifton. Huh. For those of you who don't know, Tony Clifton was the alter ego of Andy Kaufman, who was just kind of this most grating personality person ever just, on the planet. I just said that Seagal was the worst person in the world. Uh, Tony Andy Clifton, Clifton doing Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton it was intentionally the worst person yeah. in the world. Nick Cage is straight up doing Tony Clifton in this. I wonder if he stayed in character. Oh, he was probably only on set for like a day and a half. No, that's so true. Probably. <laughs> Uh, he arrived that way. Yeah, that was not a great film, but it was fun every time Cage was on. Because you're like, I I can't believe he's doing this. How are people? This is like office level of people trying not to break. Yeah. During the, like, how are they not laughing their ass off at Cage doing this? Uh, but the one I wanted specifically to talk about. So I was like, again, I have to find it because the title Between Worlds. There we go. Being in this film, you meet Nick Cage. He's a redneck. You know he's a redneck because he's got long hair. Oh, this is the one you Greasy said. Hair. That- yep. <clears throat> yeah. A trucker cap and is an actual trucker who is dead fucking broke. Yeah. His wife, his life is going to shit a few years prior. Like, I think when you, you live actually, it's like a year ago, his wife and child died in a fire and he's just been kind of lost. He's got no money. No one likes him because he owes money to fucking everybody. Sure. So at the start of the film, he stops at this like fucking gas station and he hears some commotion in the bathroom. So being the good guy that he is, he goes in, and this big fucking dude is choking the shit out of Franke Patanka from Run, Lower Run. Oh, okay. Just looks like he's fucking killing her. So Cage, of course, kicks the shit out of him. And the woman's like, why did you do that? I was almost there. I was almost there. Oh, good grief. Runs out. He follows her. She's trying to steal his truck, so he, they get, he, he lets her get in, they both go. And she explains at that point that her daughter was in a motorcycle accident yesterday and is in a coma. She can communicate with her when she's ch- being choked out. She goes to a, she goes to another place and can talk to her daughter and try to pull her back. Yikes. She literally met Nick Cage two seconds ago, and this is how they're talking to each other. So, of course, they go back to her place and fuck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, what else could you do at that point? Yeah. Turns out, so he, you know, keep in mind, he's got a full truckload of shit he's supposed to deliver. He ends up being with her for like three days and then delivers it. And the guy's like, where's my money? And the guy's like, you're supposed to be here three fucking days ago. <laughs> like, here's here's 20 bucks. Go the fuck away. 
So, of course, he's still broke. So he ends up moving in with her. <clears throat> so they're, they're falling in love. The daughter comes out of a coma. Well, turns out the soul of Nick Cage's ex-wife or, or dead wife has inhabited the daughter. So now the daughter starts coming on to him. What the fuck is going on? So he's like, what is happening? You know, in like pure Nick Cage befuddlement. But eventually fucks her, the daughter. How old is this person? 19. So she's she's legal. Okay. okay. But, yeah. So he's fucking her while fucking the mother still. And right. now he's torn because he, he loves his wife, but he really likes this new woman as well. And he doesn't know what to do. Sounds like he might be between worlds. Yes. <laughs> well, to ratchet it up even further, you learn that the, the, the dead wife is evil. Of course she is. Because while Nick Cage was away, I say evil. Honestly, it just sounds like she was going through a lot of like depression. <laughs> because Nick Cage was never around because he was a trucker and she got lonely and she had a young. They had the young right, child. Right. So she just set the house on fire with her and the kid in it. Yeah. Oh. So now Nick Cage is mad at her and wants right. to kill her, but at the same time has to still choke her out so that she can try to get the wife's influence out of the daughter. <laughs> all while be ch- all while being chased by cops, who now think he's a murderer, for something else. I don't know why you would even write this movie. Because why not? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> get a different idea. You're bringing up a lot of shit. That yeah, like <laughs> get a different idea. This isn't. Yeah, I mean, it was my <sighs> fault. Fa- I mean, Southern. Go- I-, I labeled it a Southern Gothic Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah. Uh Full, yeah, it was full-blown, like, Nick Cage was given a doll, Frank, Frank Patanka, not so much. Um, I think she was like, God, I almost had a career in Hollywood. <laughs> but just a bizarre, this is like the definition of the direct-to-video shit yeah. that Nick Cage is in sometimes that you're just like, dude, he, at least he picks something to go with on this. Serious question. These Nick Cage movies that you're talking about, all of this mm-hmm. shit that I'm talking about with Seagal, who... Who are these for? I, like, I think just the the direct video market. But what does that mean? Are you are, is the only reason that Pistol Whipped exists to be part of a package that sold the Tubi? Is that yes. or because someone who is our age is like <clears throat> loves Seagal movies? And if they're and again too, because I, I I always say it like the Red Box. I don't think that many people actually use. I use Red Box all the time, so for me it's very common. But I'm like. But I've no never one... not been able to get a movie at Redbox. So I feel like I'm the one keeping the Redbox in Dover going. Like, if it wasn't for my, like, six bucks a week, that thing's not going to be in business anymore. But, like, no one's <clears throat> no one's buying Pistol Whipped, right? I, I can't imagine. And no one is, like, seeking it out. No. I think it's just, like, they yeah. hope that someone will watch it because it's part of a package deal. I mean, at least, you know, with Nick Cage, you have... X amount of fan base. So much, I mean, I think it's his thing is that he will be in whatever film you want as long as you pay him like a million dollars per day or some shit. Yeah, well, the difference with Nick Cage is that that along with, I mean, he he doesn't care what he's in, he actually has talent. Yeah. Whereas Steven Seagal does not. I mean, he has no talent. I mean, not Not even a remote amount. No, I mean. Never did. And he's not charismatic. He's, he's, he is not fascinating. Other than, from uh, a tra- other than from a train wreck That is not true. <laughs> I disagree, sir. Uh, he is fascinating. But um, not for the right reasons. Right. Uh, 
the only other explanation I could come up with is like just money laundering. Are you just well? Because that wouldn't surprise me either. Considering he is always in fucking Russia, like he has, he's like a Russian citizen. I think at this point, good for him. Money laundering or some <laughs> level of because I've got a feeling someone in the Russian government's like, hey, this is dirty money. Let's fund Seagal's next film. Yeah, he and is, that's what they do. He's not trying to make these good. No. I mean, he's not... As you said, Bruce Bruce Willis level yeah, of Yeah, that's commitment. what it is. Uh, and, and imagine... See, and, and this is Bruce Willis' level of commitment from the guy that is producing, uh, having final say on script. Mm. I mean, Bruce Willis will, is literally like, I'm not going to try on your movie. Give me the script the day I get there. I'm fucking gone at five. <laughs> Seagal's putting that level of effort into the entire production. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, he's got like, what, 52 producing credits? 50. Of his yeah. 59 films. Yeah. Pretty much everything after it. Well, every, certainly everything yeah. after 2003. I would be willing to bet, yeah, it's some sort of fucking Russian criminal money laundering. So uh, And now we're going to be targeted. Because <laughs> we're we've, we've broke this wide open. Uh, <laughs> the It seems like a, a month ago now, but the... The, one of the first things I watched, I hadn't uh, gotten the Memories of Murder mm. criterion yet, right? The last time we recorded. Yeah. Um, I, I watched it again because uh, I, I got the criterion maybe a couple days after we recorded. Um, that movie's awesome. I bumped it up to a five. Yeah. Um, the second time watching it, uh, it... Because you're not trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. uh, it hits harder. Um, that makes sense. Because you know last, where you know where it's going. The last like forty minutes are just amazing. Um, Agreed. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, so the other the what I have done since then, and you have too to a certain degree. Uh, I've watched quite a bit, but they're kind of clumped. Like I watched several Guillermo del Toro's. Mm-hmm. Um, Several Sidney Lumets, several Coens, and then I had a little uh, uh, Gene Hackman triple feature. Gene turned 92 the other day, you know that? I know. I, know. Uh, I and guess. He, and he's been out of films for like 15 years, yes, I think. I didn't realize that. I mean, I guess I couldn't have told you anything he would have been in in the last 15 years, obviously. Yeah, and but I think it was something shitty like Welcome to Mooseport. Yes, or something. it was. That's exactly what it was. Ugh. And it was like 2005. So like, it's yeah. been almost 17 years he's that been career retired. And he ends move in a shitty film with Ray Romano. Yeah. Uh, he's just. We need more Gene Hackmans. I agree. Well, that was the thing with the 70s. The 70s films, everyday dudes were like your film stars. Like fucking Elliot Gould and Walter Matthau. And I've got an excellent Walter Matthau story. Like, those guys those guys are wearing these like fucking phenomenal films where they're the fucking heroes. And now you're like, they would be relegated to like the comedic best friend or the angry best friend or just a caricature yeah. almost. Uh, and these were the guys that were leading these films. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman was a fucking movie star. Like a sex symbol. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman was a sex symbol. (laughs) Um, The ones that I watched were actually all kind of, uh, not older, well, yeah, older Hackman. He'd been in his 50s or 60s and all these. Um, Mississippi Burning is probably the youngest. That film's great. Yeah. Um, I remember watching that before I probably should have when we were kids on HBO and being like just, 
fuck. <laughs> it's a little. Uh, if you have you watched it recently? No, I haven't watched if it since you, I was a kid. If you did, it's still very good, but it gets, and you won't be surprised at all. Uh, it gets pretty melodramatic and white saviory near the end. That's not surprising. A little for that time frame. A little. Yeah. Over, I mean, at the for at the time, it was like, oh, this is an important film, and it, and it was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, white people save it all because it's the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's specifically it's, white men. Yeah, it's a uh, if you don't know what Mississippi Burning is, it was nineteen eighty eight or eighty seven, um, and it's not. It's not based on a, an actual event, but it is a... Heavily influenced. Yeah, it is a fictionalized version of uh, several different killings in mm. the and lynchings in the civil rights era. So it takes place in 1964, I think. Um, young Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Who else is in that movie? Oh, uh, uh, the reason I watched it, because Francis McDormand is in it. Uh, nice. Which I would never have remembered. No, uh, I had I, I, I had never seen it. I don't uh, remember her being. <coughs> she, she's one of those actresses who, until she got like the fame for Fargo, right? I didn't, I didn't know, know who, who the she, fuck she right. was, and then I'm like, oh, I mean, because she's the other. She's like the married friend in fucking Raising Arizona, right? It's just like shit. I mean, I get of course because it's Coen Brothers film, but yeah, right. she was in a ton of shit. That yeah, I just like never recognized her until right. Fargo. Uh, yeah, I had never seen Mississippi Burning, like, to see it, yeah. but I I also, I could have told you who was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also watched Unforgiven, which is awesome, which is better. It, that That's better this, as in watching it, not wanting an action movie out of it. Yeah. Like you would have in 1992. Yeah, that um, film is so fucking good. And then Royal Tenenbaums, which I did not like after, because I split I it. saw that you got a three and a half on it this time, and I was like, interesting. And... I was ready to give it a three about halfway through. I was like, all we're doing here, it's like the, the, we're spending time making all these characters quirky and nothing else. Mm -hmm. It's the second half that really, it's really the last like 30 minutes that really bring it together where the, uh, just the heart comes in. Yeah. Uh, cause the beginning kind of everyone's just awful. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, and, and (laughs) they're all terrible people in that film. Uh, and the, as it's pointed out in a lot of the, the reviews, the Ben Stiller's delivery of the, the uh, I've had a rough year, Dad, at the end, like, forgives any sin that the movie makes before that. It's just, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't able to bump it up to a four. I guess, because when I do stuff like that, I'm comparing it against the other, the other... Like, I'm comparing it against Moonrise Kingdom, for example. Yeah, I like Moonrise Kingdom more. For me, I saw that, I saw that, I remember seeing that in the theater. Tenenbaums? Tenenbaums. Yep. The only, I mean, the other, only other film I'd seen at that point from them was the prior one, Rushmore. Right. Um, which I fucking loved, 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 loved Rushmore. And I remember being in a bad mood when I saw Tenenbaums. Not a good film to see if you're in a bad mood. No. Um, I, I hated that fucking movie when I saw it in the theater. Fucking hated it. Have you watched it recently? Oh, yeah. It's a four-star film for me now. I, I enjoy it now because, uh, again, I know, know what, I now know what to expect from a Wes Anderson film. Where at that point, I didn't. And like you said, everyone in that movie is an awful fucking human being. And watching it, uh, uh, for the first time, watching it 20 years after it was made, uh, the... 
Luke Wilson attempted suicide scene with an Elliot Smith song playing over it is yeah a little harsh now. <laughs> I mean, this, the, this was obviously the yeah, this was like made two years before he died, but like still, it was real. Yeah. I was like, whoa, because immediately <laughs> you, you're not thinking 2001 because I couldn't yeah. have told you what year Elliot Smith died. Yeah. But when, but you know he's dead, and he killed himself. Yeah, and his, as, his song, and he stabbed himself. Yeah, and as soon as, uh, as soon as the song started playing, I was just like, "Whoa, yeah. what are we doing?" And then I like, I went to my phone. I was like, "Okay, but that's still a little fucked up." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's already. He's, it was a great song. Anderson choice. has always been able to make song pick songs that fit the mood. It was very a, well. It, all horrible uh, yeah. things aside, it, it was a great song choice. Um, Hackman, but yeah. Hackman is really... And it's funny because the only reason he's ever done that only that one film is because no one liked fucking working with Hackman on that film. Really? I guess he was an asshole. Which, based on the movies he's done, he probably didn't understand what the fuck he was in. And I can imagine someone yeah. like Wes Anderson... It was just very quiet and very thoughtful. I can't imagine vibed very well with Hackman. You think Bill Murray would have been the bridge there? Maybe. Know, it's not like Bill Murray's famous for getting along with people either. But he obviously knows how to get along with yes. Wes Anderson. Yes. About ten times. But I still think like Bill Murray level of crankiness is not anywhere near. I mean, like Hackman's somewhere between Bill Murray and Tommy Lee Jones as far as level of crankiness. Yeah. <laughs> so... I, I I know that they said he would he was not a pleasure to work with, and I just I imagine him being on that set going like, "Why is everything fucking purple in this room? Why is everything fucking pink in this room? What is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> What's with all the fucking yellow?" Yeah. Uh, so uh, another one of the on my my kind of quest to clump directors together and and get mm-hmm. stuff out of the way, uh, clear up blind spots with certain directors and rewatch other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and and like uh, it's been an overarching theme of layering stuff because I've been watching uh, Sidney Lumet movies, mm-hmm. but you when you came down this morning you saw me watching uh, Henry Fonda. So yep. the it'll be the Lumet branch will branch off to Fonda, and it's kind of going from there. And that's and, gonna and you cranked out a couple Coen Brothers films. Oh yeah, it's quite a few. And the the Henry Fonda is going to branch off to Hitchcock, which is going to branch off to Jimmy Stewart. Which nice. So it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It is going to be six degrees. Of I've s- always kind of wanted to do that. <laughs> it's going to be for like s- for like an entire month where I watch a film and then I have to pick someone in that film and watch a f- the next film has to be with them and then I have to pick something. Oh different. yeah, that would so, be fun. Yeah, and every just see wh- how I would get from where I was to where I was and it, with like one common actor. And it films. wouldn't be very hard. No, it would be very easy. Yeah, uh, so you could call it because. The first one I watched in this series, it would have been Lumet and Henry Fonda was 12 Angry Men. So you could say 12 Angry Degrees of Separation. <laughs> uh, 12 Angry Men was good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it's the 10th best movie of all time. No. But it was good. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite of the group that I've watched so far of it's the not Lumet even ones. my favorite Lumet. <laughs> oh, no. It's not the favorite. I've only watched the three that I've watched this year, the, the, the last couple of weeks. It's not my favorite one. And it's definitely not better than Network. Uh, which I'll rewatch. I've seen Network several times. The Network is is one of the ones. Um, if you don't realize what it is, I remember one, the first time I ever watched it. I was maybe in high school, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand what it was, so it was creepy. Yeah. Um, now I love it. Oh yeah. Uh, but it still has that air of because it's it's a it's a 
hyper oh, at stylized. The, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not so much now. Now it feels kind of fucking old timey. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested because I probably haven't watched it in 10 years or so. So, um, The one that I was most disappointed with was The Verdict. With oh, the Paul, Paul Newman. Newman one? Yeah. It's not. I didn't think it was very good. I don't remember. It's been forever since I've seen that. I, I it, remember thinking it was just, it was a, it I, was, I would put it on par with like all the Grisham films that came out in the 90s. But it wasn't because there was no, okay, so the two things that I think that a, uh, Paul Newman's great, but as always, uh, the two things that a, anything, it's about, a, he's a lawyer who is an alcoholic and his, uh, he's kind of, he was a great lawyer at one point, but his drinking and womanizing days have turned him into a, uh, an ambulance chaser, basically, uh, and he gets this case. Oh, that's well, that's right. Lumet directed "Find Me Guilty," that Vince, uh, Vin Diesel film I watched last year. What? What year was that? Two thousand six. It was his next, oh, well, to, next, his next to last film before the devil knows you're dead. See, and that's another one on my list that uh, that I, I that do film is great because I have not seen it. Um, <clears throat> oh, so Q and A. I forgot about that. Oh, in, but it was an Alan Smithy film. Or, oh no, just the television print was an Alan Smithy. Okay. In the verdict. There is, there's, he gets this case going up against a big insurance company or whatever. Mm-hmm. The two things that have to happen in a movie like this, they're either, I would argue both have to happen in a movie like this. The lawyer has to do some, some crazy figuring and lawyering, right? Mm-hmm. And show me how smart you are, Paul Newman. And then there also has to be some sort of last minute bombshell. Yeah. There isn't. He just kind of gets lucky and wins. And then that's the end of it. Yep. And I don't, it's, it was like two weeks ago. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember thinking, that's it? Like it wasn't even, uh, no one figured anything out. There was no big change. It was just like he got lucky and won. Um, I forgot what a span he had there for a while. Who? Lumet. Because I mean like. Oh yeah. Between Serpico, Murder on the Orient Express, Dog Day Afternoon, and Network was like a four year span. Yeah. God. Um, I'll be watching uh, Orient Express just... And then he did The Wiz. Yeah, I'm going to avoid that. that. That one seems like he should have been directing that one. Yeah. Um, Murder on the Orient Express actually just uh, got on to uh, IMDb, so I'll watch that soon, too. Prince, in the City. Prince of the City. I've got to rewatch that That's one. That's the Treat Williams Treat one, Treat Williams right? one, yeah. Almost. Yeah. Hey, Jerry Orbach plays a detective in it. Of course he does. <laughs> Same guy. Um, my favorite one that I've watched of the three is Failsafe. Have you ever seen Failsafe? 1964, it's old. No. Uh, Henry Fonda is the president. Mm-hmm. This ba- the, the whole thing takes place in like three rooms. Uh, the failsafe refers to its height of the Cold War. It comes out the same year as Dr. Strangelove. Awesome. And there's a whole behind-the-scenes thing there, too, where uh, Kubrick and whatever, uh, Paramount or whoever, I don't know, sued Lumet and whoever did uh, failsafe uh because they were both, like, brink-of-war movies coming out at the same time. Uh, supposedly, the lawsuit was mostly just for publicity, and it worked. Yeah. Um, it's got a great cast. A weird, weird cast, but great cast. Yeah. Uh, it's about a uh, this the fail-safe system of... Uh, they have a... Uh, uh, the, the bombers are always up flying, ready to, mm. to nuke whoever, whenever... Uh, and when something funky, they see like a, a strange, in this case, it happened to be like a, an off target or an off course jetliner, um, 
flying into U.S. airspace or whatever, they go into fail-safe mode or whatever, and all the the bombers go to a certain go to their spots, and if they don't hear from you in a certain amount of time, or if they get the attack the the, the message to attack, they go bomb Moscow. So because of a mechanical error, this is all, also a whole mm-hmm. technology we can't control technology fear thing. Um, one of the bombers mistakenly gets the 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 okay to go nuke Moscow. Mm-hmm. So that's what the whole Henry Fonda is the president. Uh, Walter Matthau. I'll get to Walter Matthau. Uh, so there's three locations. There's the bunker where the president is with Henry Fonda. It's just Henry Fonda and Larry Hagman, who is his Russian interpreter. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Larry Hagman does not speak Russian in this movie. Shocking. He just listens and relays. Um, <laughs> and then there's like uh, the, the NORAD equivalent at that time, which maybe was NORAD. I don't know. No, I don't think it was. Uh, but it doesn't matter. And then, like, the Secretary of Defense and the Joint Chiefs are all in a room in Washington, D.C. That's the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Like, is this the... And the you know it's a ticking time, literal ticking mm-hmm. time bomb. Uh, if you ever want to watch it, I don't want to give away much more than that. I'll just tell you how this movie starts. <laughs> this movie begins with a... <laughs> A general, a one-star general, waking up at 5.30 a.m., because you get the title, the, the time card pops up, in New York City, which comes into play later in the movie, I won't tell you how. Gets in his full-dress blues, Air Force one-star general uniform, flies a fucking jet to work in Washington, D.C. Cool. No flight suit. Not, just, take, not taking just, a train. Just gets in, flies a, a Fly, jet. Like it's, like it's his car. <laughs> It's fucking awesome. We then switch to 5.30 a.m. Washington, D.C., where Walter Matthau and a bunch of defense bigwigs, he is a college professor who, like, uh, consults with the military, Mm -hmm. and he's a political science professor, and he's got all these... Like, his whole role in the movie is that he doesn't see it in... He doesn't see the humanity of it. To him, it's just, like, chess pieces on a board type thing. He's He's that guy in this movie. It's 5.30 in the morning. They're all in tuxedos. They all look fantastic. This is from a dinner party the night before. He's been regaling them with his theories all night. They all look terrific. He gives this woman a ride home, who still, after 12 hours at this dinner party, looks terrific. He's flirting with her and stuff. They pull over. She, like, starts, like, putting the moves on him. He fucking slaps her. (laughs) And he's like, I'm not your kind. Wow. (laughs) What? Wow. That is how this movie starts, Dan. And then it gets crazier. It was my favorite movie of the three. To quote Billy Bob Thornton and the man who wasn't there, way out of line, mister. Way out of line. (laughs) (laughs) That is an excellent segue to the Coens. Oh, my gosh. I forgot how much I love that one line in the film. um, See, and that's another one I have not seen. Oh, man. Just in that one particular scene, you need to see the man who wasn't there, because it's the... It's a film noir as only they can do it. Yep. Because, again, it's Coen Brothers film. It stars Billy Bob Thornton, Thornton as a barber. His wife cooks the books for a department store. Run by Jan- James Gandolfini, but owned by Gandolfini's wife. Okay. He gets... While he's cutting a man's hair, uh, John Polito, who's just always that like little guy in Coen Brothers films. Bald, thin mustache. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Always a schemer of yep. some sort. He's cutting his hair, and the guy tells him about uh, 
dry cleaning, the wave of the future. Because this takes place in like the 50s. And you know, if Billy Bob Thornton wants to invest, it's only $10,000. And Billy Bob's like, where the fuck am I going to get $10,000? I'm a barber. And he's not even like the head barber, like his brother-in-law owns the shop. It's like that family's, you know, oh, yeah. legacy shop. I was picturing a different guy. So Billy Bob Thornton is just like, you know, I'm, I'm not even really a barber. I'm just, this is what I do. <laughs> you know, because he doesn't do anything. He is, li- the title of the man who wasn't there is literally him. Everything in this film happens regardless if Billy Bob had been there pretty much or not. He's negligible for almost, almost like the Big Lebowski. Only this is comedy, you know. So, you know, he ends up... He's just taking you through the story. Pretty much. And when he finally does bring the tent, he, he gets the $10,000 in ways I won't talk about. When he finally gets to him, he brings it to him, and then the John Polito character kind of hits on him. And Billy Bob's like, are you making, making a pass at me, mister? And he's like, well, you know. He's like, way out of line, mister. <laughs> way out of line. And that's like it. <laughs> Slow your roll, man. Yeah. Um... Great film, great, ca- beautifully shot by Deacons in, in black and white. Like I said, it's it, it much like Lebowski. It holds true to all the film noir elements because there's like, you know, the kind of a damsel in distress. Yeah, kinda. There's a, a femme fatale, kinda. Yeah, you know, you've got Gandolfini who's just brutal and menacing in anything you put him in just because he's fucking James Gandolfini. Right. So it's got all the trappings of like you know middle-aged man not happy with his life just trying to find a way out and gets pulled into something much, much deeper than him. Poor and Billy Bob. Poor Billy Bob. Uh, and But it's almost like you throw in a typical film noir and have it like written by Albert Camus because that's his level of caring for everything that's going on. Uh, Tony Shalhoub plays a lawyer and it's fucking phenomenal. Oh, good. Yeah, it's it, it's got the usual like the one thing you can always count on in a Coen Brothers film is the cast is going to be oh, yeah. fucking amazing. And no matter how big or small the part, someone awesome is doing it, and they're going to fucking own it. Yeah, my my uh, most watched right now are filled with Goodmans yeah. and McDormans. And yeah, like who else is in it? Uh, Richard Jenkins <clears throat> yep. is in it. Star- Scarlett Johansson. A very young Scarlett Johansson's in it, because, I mean, it was like 98. No, it was like 2001. So it was like probably when she was like 19 or 20. Yeah. Um... I've been trying to remember who else. I mean, it's it's full of got people from Coen Brothers films that you know you'd expect. I mean, obviously, we're you know I'm picking ones that I know are good, and it's not a whole lot that aren't. Uh, it's been interesting to watch, like with the Lumets, uh, like Failsafe. I think ratings wise, might be the lowest rated of the three that I watched, but it was the one I liked the most. Um, Del Toro. Del Toro is either like a five star or a three star. There's almost no in between with him. No, I I, I agree because when he's always going to take a big swing. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes like with Pacific Rim, Hell Hellboy, Golden Golden Army. And look, I don't expect those to be on the level of. But they of, they still miss for what. They're yeah. Trying to do. Yes, exactly. They they're not they're not even good for what they're trying to be. Yeah, I mean, like if you watch just some of like the best coolest scenes from Hellboy Two, you're like, this is gonna. Oh, awesome. it looks great. I bet it trailers well. Oh, it did. The trailer was fucking Because <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I watched the trailer. Oh, my God. Because it is very like, cool looking. Especially because it came out, it was the next movie after Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And you see some of the creature work, yeah. and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. He's going to make Pan's Labyrinth as a Hellboy type thing. No. no. 
I mean, it I, has, I, I, see, it, it, I feel like there was probably some still studio level of interference as to, well, we can't get that weird Guillermo, come on. My problem is, and it's not even something that could have been cut out because it was central to the plot. I didn't need one romantic subplot in my Hellboy movie. I sure as fuck didn't need two. Yeah. And it's not like you could have taken them out because they were central to what the movie was. Yeah. Like, I don't need Abe Sapien and the elf lady. Yeah. And I sure as hell don't need Selma Blair and Hellboys not tripping over each other telling them that she's pregnant. Yeah. I don't want to picture Hellboy on top of little Selma Blair. She's just a little tiny thing. Yeah, she's like five foot, 100 pounds. <laughs> That's not what I came to Hellboy for. No. Uh, but and I man. get it because he try when he tries to make a movie, he makes a fucking movie, he tries to pull all yeah. of these things in, and sometimes it's too fucking much. But man, Pan's Labyrinth was yeah that that film awesome. fucking guts me every single time I watch it. Yeah, I mean I remember when that came out. I drove to fucking Waterville three times to see that. Spoilers for Pan's Labyrinth. Because like every time I saw it, I'm like I saw it with one person. I'm like I need to bring someone else and show it yeah. to them. And I need to bring someone else and show it to them. <laughs> What was, see, I because as soon as, okay, so, look, this movie's 15 years old or whatever. Uh, the girl dies at the end. Yeah. Um, and I texted Dan immediately after, and I said, thanks for tricking me into watching another dead kid movie. What was the last one? I don't know. I couldn't remember. I couldn't think of it either. I just remember saying that to you in, in oh, the Oh, I remember, too, because I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. Whoops. It wasn't Dr. Sleep, because I would have already known that, because yeah. I read it. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what it would have been. Mm. Uh, but, man, that movie's... Uh, yeah. Really good. He's really good at um, making someone a villain without. I don't know how to put it. Without mustache twirling. Yeah. Yeah, the Generalissimo is fucking terrible. Could have been really over the top. Oh, and, yeah. And I mean, we're talking about uh, you know everything in his stuff is hyper stylized, so but, it's yeah, kind of like, silly to say that. But, but yeah, like he didn't beat the little it's girl almost or it's, shit like that he didn't beat his wife he's just you could tell there was a veneer of cruelty even when he wasn't even when he was being kind i think i just knew. nailed it the in a in a kind of fantastical hyper stylized movie the villain is grounded and realistic yeah which makes him more terrifying yeah because he's not twirling his mustache yeah and, like he's scarier than the pale man Oh, yeah. The Pale Man has fucking eyeballs in his hands and the pale fucking man, eats children. The Pale Man did not bother me at all. Maybe it's because I've met Doug Jones and I know what a wonderful what man a sweetheart he is. of a human being he is. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> it might be just that because just looking at it is grotesque. Oh, yeah. And the, and the fact that much of it was done with, I mean, I'm, there's still CG involved yeah. like, with both yeah. that and the fawn. Yeah. But it's still like that character is on set. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, Doug Jones is both of those characters. He's right. on set. He's got the costuming. Right. You know, they're CGing out like the parts of his legs that wouldn't bend, bend the right, the right way. way. Uh, yeah, but, and yeah, like the eyeballs moving in his hands are different. But that that's yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the toad was gross. Oh yes, the toad scene, and just as a uh, as a that's when the your as a parent thing comes in, like. Getting her fucking clothes filthy. Same thing I've said. I'm like, filthy. Why did she have. But then I'm also, because Andrew said the same it. thing. She's like, why did they put her in the dr- important dress so early in the day? Yeah, that was, yes, like, that was that's a, poor, a few. That's a yeah. few hours. Yes. You, you, you got what that. you asked for when you, you put, do that 
as you're walking out of the fucking house. Yeah. You're like, all right, throw this over your head. Especially when dinner is at the house. It's like, just you throw sure as, it on right before. You sure as hell don't let her go out walking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the same thing we thought about, too. Like, oh, bad parenting move there. <laughs> I know it the is, mother is, like, almost dying, and, you know, the general's a fascist fucker, but still, bad move. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and not only that, the the violence inflicted by the general is very real. Oh, yeah. Like, when like he, when fucks he beats up the guy with the wine bottle. bottle when yeah. he fucks up that other guy's hand. Yeah. Um, it's very real, very brutal, yeah. and... And they don't, and he doesn't pull away from it. No, no. So yeah, it's, that's what I think full, makes him it's, so awful. It's full on gross. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater the first time he hits that fucking guy with the bottle, and you're yeah. like, oh. And then he keeps fucking. Oh yeah, and he, it's like, wow, it. he's gonna stay with his shot. <laughs> yep. Yikes. That guy's face is gonna be mush. Okay. Uh, and it's funny because it it reminded me of a similar scene done way worse, Walking Dead, when they kill Glenn. Yeah. Like. 15 years later with way more advantageous, you know, effects work. But just the, the it was just done so poorly and yeah. so obviously for shock value, whereas in this it's like, oh, this guy's fucking... That, that movie earned its grotesque. Pans earns its grotesque killing. Yeah. Walking Dead did not. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so back to Cohen's. Um, the worst one I've watched is Burn After Reading, and I gave that a three and a half. It's... Yeah, it's, it's not fine. a great movie, but there, oh my god, there are some, like, fucking every scene Brad Pitt's in. Yes, You're he's like, gold in that holy movie. holy shit, he is fucking, he is into this, and it is hilarious. Yes. Um, and he's, again, spoilers he's in, for a you know, 10-year-old movie, but like, when he gets fucking killed in Clooney's closet. It's still shocking. I it's know. shocking. <laughs> and then when you realize what Clooney's been building in his basement this entire time, <laughs> that you thought was like some sort of weapon of war. Yeah. Nope, it's a fuck machine. Yeah. Um, I liked all the stuff with Clooney and Tilda Swinton. Yep. Um, the stuff with Malkovich was okay, but that's what really pays off at the end with J.K. Simmons. His character's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Yes. We don't know, sir. Yeah. Why are we talking about that? (laughs) It's almost like, it's almost like a self-aware scene at the end, like, and the, because when the, uh, we're being very couchy about Burn After Eating, but we're not going to explain it. Yeah. Sorry. If you want to watch it, watch it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we'll explain some of the other. We'll get into the really good ones. Um, and not to say this is bad. It's fine. No. Movie, but it's, it's, it's not close it's to the It's a other good ones. film. Yeah. But for, it's like on the lower tier of Cone Brothers. Yeah. That doesn't make it bad. Right. <laughs> right. Which actually, I watched, just watched, recently listened to the Screen Drafts episode where they ranked the Cone Brothers films. Oh, interesting. And it was so funny because shit got like fighty around like 12. Huh. I mean, they've only made like 17 or 18 movies, but around 12 people are like, how can you have that at fucking 12? Yeah. And they're like, what do you what, want me to what, put One do yeah. I knock off? Right. right. Like, these are, everything above it is a fucking Oscar nominated film. Right. What do I do? Because, yeah, I think they like first approached like Lebowski at 13, and one, one of the people were like, what the fuck are you on? I probably wouldn't have a problem with that. Well, that's the thing. It's like where you, with Coen Brothers, they make, they talk about how they make much like Seagal. They make very, they make farce, farce films. <laughs> Much like Seagal. Well, you, you, where you can categorize him into like three films. Yeah, Coen yeah. Brothers are the same way. Yeah. They've got kind of their dark, realistic films. Yeah. They're, you know, funny, but not in, not comedies. And then you've got their out and out fucking comedies. They're farces. 
like because stuff like Intolerable Cruelty, Burn After Reading, The Lady Killers, yeah. which is all because they were all like right near each other. Those yeah. were like the ones that were like at the bottom for everybody. Hail, Hail Caesar. Caesar, yeah. Where it's like they're not bad films, but you, you're gonna fuck Blood Simple. You're gonna knock Blood Simple right. off the list for this, right? No, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> the ones that I've watched in my recent watchings. Uh, whether they were rewatches or first watches, they all fall. And I should remind, I'm watching these because I'm in my February snow, snow cone. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I'm rewatching. At first, I was just going to watch a couple, but I've already watched five. So I'm like, I think I'm going to fucking knock them all off. Might as well. It's easy to. They're very easy to watch. Yeah. They're um, good movies. It's not like I have to struggle through a couple of them. They're right. all good. Uh, I, I very. Uh, Clear of the six that I've watched recently, like in the past couple of weeks, they fall into uh, very clearly. There's a very clear two fives. There's two four and a halves. Mm-hmm. And there's two fours. Yeah. Uh, the two fives are, are Fargo, which we talked about at length yeah. last time, and then No Country. No Country is just. Yeah. I actually, my new copy of Fargo arrives today. Oh really? Because Shout Factory put out a, a, a Blu-ray of it. Yep. I still had my. DVD special edition. I'm like, why have I not upgraded this? (laughs) I'm waiting for, I want a 4K eventually of that film because I bet it's going to look fucking brilliant in 4K. But I'm like, it was 10 bucks. And I mean, it's a Shout Factory disc. So it'll have, might not have great special features, but it'll have a couple. It'll have something. Yeah. So I'm like, I might as well order this for 10 bucks. So I also didn't own the Hudsucker Proxy. So I had, that was recently re released by Warner Archive. So I need, I'm like, that's another one that's kind of the lower end of the totem yeah. pole for me. Yeah. But I still, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I wanted a better than, you know, I didn't even have a DVD copy of it, so I was like, fuck it. So I ordered those from Best Buy, and they're on their way. They'll be here today. Along with Miller's Crossing on Monday, which is the uh, Criterion edition of Miller's Crossing. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Criter- it's so interesting, because Criterion has put out three of their films. Yeah. Two of them are very similar, Miller's Crossing and Blood Simple. And then the other one is Inside Lewin Davis, which I saw you watched. I did. So I'm actually very that. interested on your on your thoughts on Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, in the last couple of days, days, well, Lewin Davis would have been a first watch. And then uh, we also, we watched the, the two musicals, I guess. Or the, not really musicals. Uh, they have musical moments, though. Uh more music centric than the rest of them, I guess. Mm-hmm. We watched Lewin Davis and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Uh, now I had seen Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but it'd probably been over a decade. I um, love that film so fucking much. <laughs> gosh, that movie's good. I know. I, I, I watched that two days ago. And it's I just remember like, I'm smiling the entire time I watched yes, it. Yes, <laughs> thank you. It is delightful. Yeah, it is absolute uh, Pete Clooney. At the height of his powers. I, I, I saw a shirt on Etsy that I have to get just a picture of him that says, I'm the damn paterfamilias. <laughs> I'm like, which makes me like, I need to do a film a film night. Like, if I ever got a chance to do like three films up at uh, yeah, Central yeah. Cinema, I'd do that. Fantastic Mr. Fox and The Descendants. And I would call it like, the da- I'm the damn paterfamilias. And it's all Clooney as dads. Clooney as a dad. Uh, that, and, and widely different films. Oh yeah, <laughs> that movie is just a delight. Yeah, um, it was. I pointed this out to Robin after she didn't even realize it. Um, you know how I am with movies anyway. I very rarely watch them all in one sitting. Yeah, and that's by choice too. Mm-hmm. Like because I just I just can't do it. Um, and then also when Robin and I try to watch something together, that doubles the uh, the amount of people who might have to pee. Yep. That doubles the amount of people who might be ready to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And then you also, you, 
because uh, I watch most of my movies down here. Uh, Robin and I obviously watch them in the mm-hmm. in the living room. The kid interference oh, yeah. becomes an issue. So we never watch things start to finish. We did not even pause, <laughs> oh brother. We watched the entire thing mm-hmm. straight through without pausing, without checking how much time was left in it. Whole thing. I honest to goodness couldn't tell you if it's been five or 20 years since that has happened, like, mm-hmm. at home. Uh, I mean, obviously, in a movie theater, it's different. But, like, yeah. at home, I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time that would have possibly happened. Um, it does not have a bad scene in it. Nope. And that's the thing. It's filled with scenes. Yes. With traveling in between. I mean, it's the Odyssey. It's Well, it's funny, it's, too, because, like, they even say it's, it's based on the Odyssey, and both of yeah. them have regularly admitted Neither of us have read the fucking Odyssey. Clearly. I mean, we, we just it know, just says, we know there's some sirens. There's a fucking there's a cyclops. cyclops. <laughs> we'll throw it in there. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, Cause uh, yeah. Uh, it's, it's the first time I remember seeing Tim Blake Nelson. Okay. Like as a, Oh, that guy's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, John Turturro, he's always amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Do not see the treasure. <laughs> <laughs> Turn him into a dang horny toad. That film is so endlessly quotable. Oh, yeah. So fucking quotable. Got, got, like, just the amount of shit that is in that movie. Stephen Root. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you play any, well, I hate to say it, you don't play any, like, Negro music. And it's like, well, you know, we're all Negroes, except for our company, the company, our guitar player. Because like, no one ever can say accompanist in the film. Every person who tries to say it stutters twice and then says something different. And that's the thing they do with that type of film. They throw in those little jokes that you don't realize are jokes until, like, it's been tried three times, and you're like, fuck, uh, no one's been able to say accompaniment <laughs> the entire time. That's amazing. The, uh... All the shit with Pappy O'Donnell and the pressing yeah. of the flesh, Pappy. The, yes, I'm going to do some politicking? Yeah. <laughs> the KKK, uh, over-the-top, ridiculous... Almost dance number. That's exactly is, what I call it in my notes. I'm like, the, is, I'm like the KKK dance number. It is hilarious because yeah. it is still played seriously, but they are so obviously making fun of these fucking yeah, dorks. They're doing a routine. <laughs> like, a bunch of fucking nerds out with nothing better to do, going out in the woods and fucking doing a dance routine. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's hilarious. And fucking John Goodman Hood only having one eye. <laughs> Why would you cut out the other one? You don't need it. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's funny. Oh, God, yeah, exactly. I, I watched that, and I watched, that was two days, because I watched three Cone Brother films yesterday, because I had to be up again at five in the morning to help Andrea shovel out, and yeah. then I'm like, well, fuck, I'm, on, I'm up at five, right. might as well do some, might as well watch some fucking movies. Um, but yeah, that one is a top, like, when I'm all done, I plan on ranking these to see where yeah. they fall, and some, some of them, like, that could easily be the number one. It could also be number eight by the time I get done. Because some of them are just so fucking good. Uh, of the ones that I've watched recently, it would be third. I couldn't. I couldn't put it above uh, No Country or Fargo. But yeah. uh, I, as far as the uh, comedic ones, it's uh, it's above Lebowski for me. Mm-hmm. I don't. <sighs> it's gonna be tough when I watch Raising Arizona again. Yeah, to see where thinking. it is compared. With that's Raising what I was Arizona. thinking too. Because uh, really, because Raising Arizona is probably my favorite one. But that doesn't that obviously doesn't make it the best. There's also a lot of nostalgia with Raising yeah. Well, Arizona. that's the thing. I, I in that in that episode of Screen um, uh, Cast, whatever the fuck it's called again, um, they talk about how with most people, 
your favorite Cone Brother film is often the one you recognized first. Yeah, maybe. And it's like, that, I'm like, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because if I hadn't seen it Raising Arizona first and seen Fargo first, Fargo could easily be my favorite as yeah. well. I mean, it's it would be that one's going to be in the top five no matter what. Um, yeah, it's going to be really hard to rank these, but yeah, I was only, like I said, I was only going to probably try to watch like twelve or thirteen of them, and I'm like, no, oh, fuck it off. I'll watch everything but the Lady Killer because I just watched that in November. Sure. So it's it's fresh enough. I don't need to re go through that one. Because um, um, that that would Lady Killers is probably at the end of towards the end of my list, like we said, with Intolerable Cruelty, which is the only film that they've done that wasn't theirs to begin with. It, I like didn't that, even know that, it was them. Yeah. Oh, that was saying it was. It feels like it was a studio project to get some money. Yeah. Because it wasn't their script. I mean, they they got some screenwriting credit on it. I think because they rewrote parts of it. Yeah. To make it a, a little more them, but it was com- entirely another project. I think Clooney actually brought them on. Like it, Clooney had signed on and had been yeah. like, "Ah, uh, guys, can you do me a favor? Like this do film me is a solid. Yeah, this is like a film with me and fucking Catherine Zeta Jones, uh-huh. and it sucks. Uh, what can you do? <laughs> can you help us out, sign on and direct this, and Apparently. at least make something out of it? Yeah. Um, do you want to do Lewin Davis or yeah. No Country? Lewin, let's do Lewin because I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched Old Country. No. Country. Oh, I thought you just did. No, no. I'll have that done by next week. I won't week, spoil though. it. <laughs> I've read the book and watched it a few times, <laughs> but yeah. Let uh, me rewatch clo- that and then we'll talk about it. How next close week. are they, by, just out of curiosity? The mean? the book and the. And Fairly. The Fairly close. Because I'm always curious about that because, like, uh, uh, when you have very. When you have filmmakers that are very, that very much have a. You can tell it's them. Yeah. Same with Wes Anderson. Like. Mm-hmm. Fantastic Mr. Fox is not like the book. No. I mean, it's the same story, but it yeah. is very clearly no, not if the I, same. If I remember correctly, it's pretty fucking... I haven't read the book in like 15 years, but it's pretty damn close. And I've never seen the John Wayne True Grit. Apparently theirs is much closer to the book than the John Wayne. That doesn't surprise me. Because again, I haven't seen the John Wayne either one, but... True Grit's fucking awesome. Yeah, they they that's one of the ones I watched yesterday. Um, they had so we could talk true grit. Yeah, they had no desire to make Rooster Cogburn heroic, mm. other than what he actually does, because he does do some heroic things in the film. Yeah, but he's also a complete asshole and a shit of a human being. Yes, he just happens to do the right thing when it matters most. Yes, they from whatever again. I've never seen the Wayne one because I can't fucking stand John Wayne. Now, um, they make him out to be like a larger than life hero. I'm sure. The the other thing that uh, you see it in um, uh, Once Upon a Time in the West too, um, in the sixties, it you kind of I don't know you'd think it was the other way around, but it is definitely not. By the time you get to uh, Coen Brothers True Grit, to add to the realism, they fuck your teeth up. Yeah, everyone in uh, Once Upon a Time Henry Fonda's teeth are great. Yeah, they are perfect. Yeah, he's still a handsome fucking man. Uh, he is clean shaven. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, his teeth are just as white as can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the little uh, I think the scene that was playing when you when you got here is this scraggly old timer that's mm. driving the carriage and he's all disheveled and shit but he's got fucking perfect pearly yeah. whites <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening come on yeah. we're out in the middle of yeah it's the old New West. Mexico most all of them have either yeah. been knocked out or pulled out or whatever there is not a dentist within two hundred miles of that man yeah. <laughs> come on unless you run across the guy who's the dentist in True Grit. Right. The bear man. Right. Like, watching that, I'm like, I know that's probably in the book. 
Yeah. But that is such a Coen Brothers character in the way they presented him. Yeah. Like showing up in like a fucking bear out, like full yeah. blown bear coat and talking the way that he does. <laughs> yeah, they can take other material that you know is other people's materials, but they will leave the little, un, you know, unmistakable stuff that's theirs. So yeah. <laughs> like when fucking Rooster kicks the Mexican kids off the porch. Yeah. <laughs> For no real For reason. No reason. And then when he comes back out of the house, he kicks one off again. Yeah. I'm like, that's them. That's asshole. them going, this will be fucking funny. You need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, true. I mean, the fact that they were also able to integrate, integrate Matt Damon into that movie well, who yeah. does not by any stretch come across as a Coen Brothers style actor. No, but he's he does so good at he's that. He's so perfect for that role. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, did we just the beef? <laughs> did we just move into uh, talking about True Grit? Are we doing Lewin Davis? Yeah, let's go. Let's go to Lewin. Okay. So True Grit. We tried like three. True Grit's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, speaking True of True Grit's a fucking masterpiece. There's a, but also holds the record I think for the most Academy Award nominations without a single without win. Anything. It had ten nominations. Didn't win a fucking thing. It hurt that it came out, like, immediately after No Country, which yeah. won them a fucking ton. Yeah. So, I think I, they, I wonder if the remake factor... Well, I think a lot of it is, like, we literally just gave them a bunch for their last film. <laughs> we just gave you a bunch of these. Jeff, uh, Jeff Bridges had just won the year prior for Crazy Heart. Yeah. So, it was like, they're good. Let's give it to somebody else. Yeah. And you, it's not like they're award you guys, chasers. You guys so. know it was good. Yeah. <laughs> um... Speaking of uh, uh, not very nice lead, Lewin Davis is a uh, 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 just a disaster. He is a disaster of a human being. Just a wreck. Uh, just just can't get out of his own way. No, <laughs> he. And this is the part that I love about that film so much. At the end of the film, when it goes back to the beginning of the film, you realize he's had like eight chances throughout this film to turn his fucking life around into yeah. something different and did not. Yeah. So he's going to have to do the whole fucking thing over. Well, yeah, and the uh, I like the way that the the end is the beginning is like, and it almost doesn't even matter. No. Because this is just, you, he is stuck in this fucking yeah. cycle. Because, I mean, at the be- beginning of the film, we should he, explain he, this. he sings his song, <laughs> goes out into the alleyway, a guy kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> but that's like, in that moment, you don't see the guy right. who kicks the shit out of him. Right. So it can be explained away as it's not a recurring loop. Someone else just kicks the shit out of him. Right. Because he even admits, like, when he's talking with Doogie Hauser's best friend there. Um, that's who that was. <laughs> yeah, that's Doogie Hauser's oh, best friend. Oh, man. I was, I, yeah. I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Okay. And he's just like, you know, sorry I was an asshole last night. And you can imagine, because of how you see him throughout the movie. Yeah. That could have happened any night. He could have been an asshole any night and gotten the shit kicked out of him in the, back, in the back alleyway. He is an asshole every day he's breathing. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is no big fan of him no. in this film. Uh, for good reason, it seems like. But yeah. at the same time, also kind of can't keep away from him. Yeah, she's she is by no... That's the thing, is that uh, even the innocents in this movie are by no means innocent. No. Uh, she's an adult. With the exception of the army dude. <laughs> Golly. I, I said adults, Dan. Yeah. Uh, this is a 12-year-old and a 25-year-old man's body. Uh, you're right, though. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if I wonder if he has played so childlike and innocent to be such a stark contrast to everyone else 
And it's weird too because in that time frame, he's a military man. Yeah. Pretty soon that guy, you would automatically assume that guy's the worst. Yeah. Because it's the village, it's all fucking hippies. And oh, right, yeah. Peaceniks. Yes. And here's a military man. Right. You know, who is unabashedly the, the, a military. I like, the, I like the discipline. He likes the discipline. Not, he's, not, 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 the, not the machinations of war or whatever it is He's a baby he killer. Yeah. Uh, but he's also got it more together and has better gigs lined up yeah. than the, ha, than the a, artiste. Yeah, has an actual, like, record deal coming up yeah. with, like, the one guy. That, <laughs> which is one of my favorite things there. He travels all the way to fucking Chicago to just play yeah. for this guy. And the guy's like, and he plays him a great song because, make no mistake, Oscar Isaac can fucking sing and yes. play. Oh, yeah. Because this is all him. Yes. And he is damn good. Yep. Um, so much that I would have easily sat through like an hour and a half of him just playing on stage songs. Yeah. Um, but he plays for uh, F. Murray Abraham. Well, you would people. think that, that Salieri would know yeah. uh, good music. But he also would sabotage it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was an Amadeus joke. Yeah. Um, Which I have to wonder if they did that on purpose. They're steeped in film knowledge. They have oh, to know. I'm, I'm sure they. When knew. you're casting F. Murray Abraham in a music part type thing, you have to kind of know. You want an Oscar for one of these, right? Yeah. So yeah, F, and F. Murray Abraham listens to him and just goes, "I don't see any money here," and that's it. Well, and it's he. he uh, the actually added sting is that you should get a partner. And his, yeah. Uh, so the, the whole thing, and you, this is not like laid out at the very beginning, but it's and it's it's really never like. Punched in the yeah. face, uh, like he, here's this exposition. Here's what happened. His he was part of a Simon Garfunkel style yeah. folk duo, and his partner, who you kind of get the idea was the talent, the more talented one. Yeah, uh, killed himself. Yeah, by throwing himself off. By throwing himself <laughs> off the George off Washington the bridge. bridge. Don't not you know the, you throw yourself off the, the George Brooklyn. W? No, throw the yourself Brooklyn. off the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> uh, Which is funny because. That comes from the John Goodman character, who is the jazz musician, right. who is slowly killing himself with a heroin addiction, right? Because that music is now passing by. Like, I I actually missed that. Robin is the one that caught that. Yeah, I missed the needle. Yeah, and the the uh, the tubing. The tubing. Because um, I because th- I, at first I when that that scene first because it is very quick because yeah. he, he we should explain some of this. Yeah. I feel like okay. we're doing a bad. The music job. Play, the, the film takes place in Greenwich Village. Right before the folk explosion with Bob Dylan. Like, like, Bob Dylan is literally, like, the last character you see in this film. Yes. You see a guy who's probably, Not Bob, probably Dylan. Bob Dylan. Um, he's and Oscar, But really, he's playing at the beginning of it, too. Yeah. You just don't know it. You, you don't know it. Uh, Os- Oscar Isaac plays Lewin Davis, who is a musician who had not a moderately successful, but at least they put out an album. Um, they probably had a hit. A hit. Yeah. Um, so much that when he goes and plays at these past the basket nights, he gets some money, not much, yeah. but people at least enjoy his playing. They recognize it, um, and he gets to you know he gets asked to be a session musician later yeah. in the film, <laughs> um, and he's just always struggling. He can't do the fucking. He can't get. He'll never win, no matter what he does in this film. It's always like the right thing, and this is not thing. even when he's trying to do the right thing, like find his neighbor's fucking his friend's cat that escapes on him. But it was his fault. It was his fault that the cat got out. Yeah. Which is the one thing that does change towards the end. Like, the second time that when the cat tries to get away, he stops it. Yeah. But shows you this thing's still on the right. But, like, even when he's trying to do the right thing, like, go find the fucking cat. <clears throat> right. It's the right... He brings back... Where is his scrotum, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> he brings back the wrong cat. He brings back the wrong uh, cat. Yeah. He Like I said, he can't get out of his own way. And it's, it's, it's also... 
some of it is kind of hard luck loser stuff, but a lot of it he brings on himself. Yeah. Like, he's not a good person either. No. Like, <laughs> really. one of the places that he did crash was his friend, I can't remember the name, but played by Justin Timberlake and his girlfriend. And he's not really welcome anymore because he kind of fucked the girlfriend yeah. and might or might not have gotten her pregnant. Right. And he does the right thing by trying to pay for the abortion. At which point you learned this one's on the house because the one that he paid for before the woman never showed up to get it. And at one point he goes to try to maybe find that girl, but then decide because he finds out, oh my god, I probably have a kid out there. So you see him going to Akron. Almost certainly has a kid out there. Yep. You see him going to Akron where she lives now, but instead, no, doesn't. <laughs> because again, he makes the wrong fucking choice. Well, he uh, he clearly decides that he doesn't want any part of that, and he's He's in no position to be a parent anyway, and she's yeah. not going to want... She obviously doesn't want to see him, or she would have. Yeah. Because uh, even the doctor's like, she didn't tell you? Yeah. Like, oh, whoopsie. Yeah, so he goes He goes to the uh, the doctor. It's pretty bad that he's got a guy. And you have to wonder if Carrie Mulligan's going to have this one, too, because he's right. paid for it, but it's not till this Saturday, Lewin. God damn it. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't listen. Because when he gets yeah, back into she's... town, she's like, he's like, how was it? She's like hasn't happened yet asshole she's furious with him because uh and and she's partially furious at herself because yeah. she's but she even still at the end tries to help him. him out by saying hey you could go play at the gaslight again yeah i've i talked to the guy he'll let you play again um he's asked to, to be on justin timberlake's hey mr kennedy please mr kennedy please mr kennedy song but because he needs the money right fucking now he signs away any potential you know royalties, royalties. which it it, it gets big. Ends up fucking him again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, He so he just gets paid 200 bucks, which in 1961 yeah. or whatever would have been a shitload of money. Which he then uses to get up to date on his dues for his merchant seaman license, which he had his sister throw out in the, earlier in the movie because he wouldn't fucking talk to his sister. He's just like, she's like, I found this box in the attic or wherever, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, throw it all the fuck out. I'm a musician. So she throws it all out, and then he, when he finds out that was in there, he's like, why'd you fucking do that? <laughs> yeah, because so the whole, one of the things that's in this box at his sister's house, because it's basically, the, most of the movie is him bouncing around, crashing with people who don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Uh, and she has a box of his old shit. It's got, he used to be a merchant marine uh, out on fishing boats or whatever, and uh, he's never going back to that because he's an artist and all this oh. stuff, and then when he decides he's, he's not good enough, he comes back to get his stuff. He's paid his dues. It's the ultimate uh, uh, gift of the Magi type sitch yeah. where he goes and pays all his dues to because he's going to give up being a, a musician, so he goes back to get all of his stuff, yeah. which was already thrown out because he was going to be a musician, <laughs> and now he doesn't have his license anymore, but he can't get his dues back because what are they going to do? Give you your dues back? Yeah. They will not. No. Uh, <laughs> Unions don't work that way. So he just like fucking can't get out of his own way. So he ends up having to play the fucking He ends up having again. to play the gaslight again and then getting his ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. Um, all the while, he is dealing with some severe trauma. Yeah. Like, yeah. And again, like you, right. and you never get the whole story all at once about his partner. But just even like he's at a friend's who lets him crash there all the fucking time, feeds him every time he goes there, right. gives him money, I'm guessing. But because they ask him to play a song, which he's fine with doing, he plays a song, one of the people at the party starts singing. The, his, the his, wife. The wife starts singing his partner's part, and he's like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah. Don't fucking do that, and ends up blown out of there. You know? Yeah, it's... it's, it's uh, he's it's never a, come to terms with it. No, it's all. a fascinating part of the movie. Like, you... When you point it out that way, that you 
all of this just disaster of a life. He's bouncing around, bouncing around. And no one is... Because they're all focused on the horrible things they're doing that he's doing to them, yeah. other than the professor and his wife, yeah. no one allows him to grieve. Yeah. And he is not processing this well. Well, that's, that's what he... To, really social work about it. He doesn't have a safe space to grieve. No. Because he doesn't have... He doesn't, he has he doesn't have a place. He, right. has no, he, is, he is legitimately homeless. So he's... And I'm sure He's never going to get past that trauma until he gets stability. Right. But he's purposely making choices that will not allow him to have stability, which is fucking textbook. Yeah, because he could... He could live with that professor if he wanted to. Yeah. They would let him live there. Yeah. And they have a nice home. They're not in the village where the scene is. Yeah, he doesn't like to be here on the Upper West Side, which is like the richest part of New York. Right, (laughs) and he—it's like it would be like going against his nature to stay there. I mean, but like, yeah, this is numerous kids I worked with at the Shaw House who, if they did this, they could do this and could do this, but they're not going to do that, which leads them down this other fucking horrible path. So yeah, every choice they try to make is doomed to fucking fail because they're not dealing with the shit underneath. So they will forever make these trauma-based choices, which might be temporary, you know, solve something in the temporary, but aren't good for the long term. And a lot of times it's not even that. Like, it's not even... You can't even reasonably expect it to solve anything for you temporarily. It's just another day. Yeah. Like... Yeah, it keeps you alive for today. It keeps you eating today. You're not getting anywhere. No. Like the whole trip to Chicago was just three days of being alive. Yeah. Like <laughs> you didn't accomplish anything. If anything, you lost stuff. And I don't know if there's like a false sense of he thought he was going to drive out there and get this gig or something. Yeah. But. Well, no, because, yeah, because he does have talent. Yes. So, but he's got just enough talent where maybe that could fucking Because he thinks like he finds out that the army guy has a potential you know, right. record contract with this guy, and he's like, well, fuck, I'm better than him. I don't know if he's better. He's equally as good. Like, because that guy can sing like a motherfucker, too. Yeah, and he's not goddamn baby killer. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Oh, that yeah. guy can't be getting a, a... He's not a musician. He's not no, an artist. He's literally down here for the weekend, and he has to hitchhike back to the fort. Yeah. In uniform. <laughs> In uniform. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, There's so many fucking, like... I actually did one of the Video Monsters podcast episodes. I did. I, we did it over this film. Yeah. And we had like a two and a half hour long discussion about this film and just all the fucking layers that are there. Yeah. It's and you hot. don't even have to get into those layers to enjoy it for what it is. No. If you just want to watch it as a... Struggling kind musician. Of a, kind of a, a soundtrack movie, yeah. you can watch it that way. Yeah. And like I said, I would have easily watched an hour and a half of just Oscar Isaac singing on stage with that fucking yeah. like spotlight on him. That could have been it. I would have been fine. I liked that uh, I could have watched more of uh, Adam Driver, <laughs> but I also liked that <laughs> that drove Robin nuts. Uh, of drove course her nuts. it does. Drove her nuts. I said, because the next day I said, have you had Adam Driver's voice in your head for the last 24 hours? And she was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And even the scene before they start singing where they're talking about what to do, he's just like... And he's going, making noises. But it is very much that was a thing. Yeah, you can. There, there's plenty of shit. I mean, this is like 1961. That's yeah. what was that was hip or something. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I have no problem believing that song for as stupid as it was was fucking huge. 
And he, uh, he, I mean, Lewin ends up crashing on his couch too for like one day. And that's, where do you live? Do you have a nice apartment? No, it's a shithole. You have a couch? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he sees some of his mail. I can't remember what his name is, but it is very clear. I mean, his name is Al Cody. It's very westerny sounding yeah. or whatever. It's very clearly not that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of that was a, a another little. I, I yeah, think he's like that guy's a phony. He's yeah, not, not everyone folk singer. Right, everyone he comes across, he doesn't. They're all more successful than him because yeah. Jim Justin Timberlake's character is also way more successful than him, yeah. but he's always wearing a sweater, and yeah. he's more of the 50s style yeah. uh, musician. So everyone that Lewin comes in contact with, I'm just talking this out for myself yeah. at this point. No, Everyone that he comes in contact with is more successful than him, and he feels less worthy than him. Yeah. Because... Because he's not authentic. Because they're not authentic. They're he's not, not a folk using. Singer. You're not really a cowboy. You don't really have a cowboy name. Yeah. You're a fucking baby killing soldier. And Justin Timberlake, you're wearing a fucking sweater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you fucking Beach Boys want to be. <laughs> even the John Goodman character is more. In and John Goodman's character is worse than Lewin Davis, yeah. but more authentic. So he's Lewin Davis is is the phony because he only plays he three fucking, chords. I love that he fucking picks on Lewin Davis yeah. the entire car ride, and they've I think it's Garrett. Dill, no, it's not Garrett Dillahunt. It's uh, um Hunland, Hind, Garrett. Garrett Hind, yeah, whatever. Just a guy who looks like a fifties fucking greaser as his yeah. valet, and they call him like Johnny Five, which yes, is, which is weird because that's one of Marilyn Manson's musicians. Really, that's Manson's guitar. What well, was Manson's guitar player during the popular era before, before Johnny Five told him the fuck off? Uh, but yeah, Garrett Headland. Garrett Headland, yeah. Um, As opposed to Garrett Dillahunt, who will also show up in uh, <laughs> Coen Brothers things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the one person who is worse off than he is, he kind of envies in a way, and that person thinks that <laughs> even that though Lewin he goes from the... like gas station to gas station, fucking overdosing in the bathroom like every fucking yeah. time. Overweight, needing two canes to get around. Yeah. And can't drive. <laughs> but, yeah. But he's authentic, damn it. He's he, an artist. He, he plays, is, though. He, he is. plays more than three chords. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really something. Yeah. It says a lot without saying it. Without saying much. Yeah. Which is what you can say as a... I think a, we nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's Cone Brothers right there, though. Yeah. They, can say a, they can say a lot without saying anything or saying way too much. <laughs> That's true, actually. They're they're very. Uh... That's interesting. Because like, yeah, like, no country for old men is not a talkie movie. There are probably more words in twenty minutes of brother. Yeah. Than there are in all of no country, without a doubt. I wonder how many words Clooney says. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> in brother. Yeah, the the script for old brother we wrote that was like four inches thick, and <laughs> for no country it's like inch and a half. No country is just dusk, yeah, <laughs> or something. Uh, I watched a. I've been watching uh, some a lot of technical videos, um, and I've watched a couple Deacon's uh, oh. interviews about No Country, and then uh, one that was uh, a little like twelve minute thing about how he lit it, mm-hmm. and then w- interspersed with with him talking sometimes about you know from various interviews and stuff. And just that stuff really fascinates me. Like oh. the the lengths that they go to to make a shot look 
natural mm-hmm. is amazing. Like there well, was one, the one where Llewellyn is sitting in the in the in the the sh- one of his many shitty hotel rooms waiting for uh, someone or no one to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one where he's sitting there in the dark with a shotgun. Yeah, that lighting that's coming in from outside took eight days to set up. Because you think about it, you got to wait till a certain time and then try it like, no, we're going to have to move that two feet. Wait till tomorrow. Yep. It took eight days yeah. to set up that scene. Yeah. Just the lighting for it. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very cool. But then like you look at Deke, and it, it kills me that he's only won one Oscar for cinematography. And it was for... Blade Runner. Yeah. 2049. Which again, well earned, because that film's fucking gorgeous. I've still never seen it. Oh, so it's it's yeah. really good. I mean, Villeneuve, it's one you can check out your list. I know, I know. Because um, we're going to watch Dune this week. I think we might watch Dune tonight. Um, Dune was 12 bucks, 4K. Nice. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I, it'll probably be on HBO next week. Maybe. Ooh, one thing that did just move, though, to HBO, uh, Nightmare Alley. I know. DeToro's new one, Nightmare know. Alley. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Which, it's funny, because I, I, I can't what, remember, I can't remember would, who was the cinematographer on that. Robin would be okay with that, wouldn't Fuck she? Fuck yeah, she would. I think she'd love it. Because she it, liked... It's a film noir. She liked uh, Shape of Water. She wasn't going to watch Pans. She would not have liked Pans. No, I think she'll like... Uh, Tell her there's a brief glimpse of Bradley Cooper's penis. Oh, she's in. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Very, Uh, very Speaking of dong and movies, um, we watched Lady Bird the other night. Have you seen Lady Bird? I love Lady Bird. Lady Bird's awesome. Lady Bird was so fucking good, and I fucking... I, I can see how Chalamet became a star. Yes. Because, like, every scene he's in, he's just the fucking worst. Yeah, but you're like, I get it. I get why she likes him. <laughs> and the fact that he's like done in five seconds is like awesome. Yeah. And that he's like, he does not care. Nope. <laughs> so we were gonna. He's fucking Timothy Chalamet. We're gonna turn this. We were the the plan was to turn this into a, a Saoirse Chalamet uh, weekend because we were also gonna watch Dune, yep. French Dispatch, mm-hmm. and then they're also both oh. in. Uh, hey, you can finally watch Brooklyn. <laughs> I I told Robin about that joke. Um, I showed her the I showed her the trailer, and she yeah. goes, "We got to watch that." Yeah. I said, "I know. We'll put it on the list." <laughs> yeah. It's been on the list for three fucking years now. Uh, that that movie looks gorgeous. And though. I, apparently, it is a very good yeah. movie. I like it's, everything about it. Everybody involved in it. Yeah. Still haven't got to it. Uh, yeah. We we talked about Brooklyn, yeah. and I told her I told her our joke about that. That any movie that you put on a list with no intention of ever watching is you've Brooklyn yeah. that movie. Yeah, Chalamet um, is fucking fantastic in the French French Dispatch. I, yeah, he's so good. At him, him, and uh, Francis McDormand yeah. are, share most of their scenes together, and it's fucking great. Because like they the, they end up a couple briefly. Just the one in the uh, uh, from the trailer, there's a scene from the trailer where she pulls back the bat the curtain in the bathtub. Yeah. is just hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm really looking forward to Dune, obviously. Um, but it goes by pretty Yeah, I'm sure. I, I wouldn't expect and it to be less than that. Hey, Oscar Isaac's in that, too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, uh, we're, uh, there's several. Yeah, all the shit with fucking Harkonnen, though. Oh, my God. Fucking Stellan Skarsgård is great. Yeah. He's the Baron Harkonnen. Um, he's not in it that much. Um, same with Polka Dot Man. He's in it, too. Uh, yeah. He is? Oh, yeah. He's the right-hand man to, I didn't know that. to Harkonnen. Um what else did I just watch? Him? I'd be very interested to see how how she oh, likes Dark it with, without like n- without knowing much about Dune. Which Dune? Uh, yeah. yeah, I I think when I when I first talked about it, uh, if she, 
uh, when I because uh, I'll ask her like especially with big things like major mm-hmm. movies like when I watch Dune do you want to watch or do you want me to wait for mm-hmm. you uh, at first when it was first on HBO <laughs> she was like no I'm not I have no yeah. interest I don't know if it's because we've watched a couple Chalamets since then mm-hmm. or she actually sat down and watched the trailer and saw who was in this movie just good at fucking love. just who was in it yeah like hey there's that guy there's yeah, that guy yeah, there's that, that guy wouldn't fuck around with the casting no I mean well it's six people from the MCU mm-hmm. between the MCU Mission Impossible the DCU DCU you yeah it's the whole cast mm-hmm. um, yeah so I, I'm excited to watch that because I feel like I have I feel like I have three Jesus yeah now that I'm like thinking about it it's like every fucking major character with the, expe- with the exception of Chalamet has been in one of the DCU hey, or the ECUs there is time yeah to get Chalamet in Chalamet would make a good Chalamet would be a good, like, uh, different verse Spider-Man. Mm. He's got the build for it. Yeah, um, yeah I feel like the, I have three legit, like, uh, movie theater movies to watch all at once. Uh, French Dispatch, mm-hmm. Dune, and um, Nightmare Alley. So I'm yeah. kind of excited. I know. I, I went through all these in December and watched them all, and now I'm like, fuck, I watched them all. <laughs> um, yeah, Dune, I know I want to buy it. But it feels like one of those that will, A, be a Black Friday sale. Yeah. Easily. You can say that about a lot of them, though. I know. I can and talk myself and out of that pretty seen easily. It, I'm like, I've already seen it. It will probably be on HBO Max again within another month or two if I want right. to see it again. And it looked great on HBO Max. I'm sure it will look better on 4K. Yes. Still, but... And, but then I'm like, oh, but then part two will come out, and they'll be fucking... It, it's, they're going to Lord of the Rings this shit. Oh, yeah. So... But That's yeah, true. I'll end up owning it. I know I will. Oh. Um, but... It's funny though, because Andrea and I do the same thing with like the, we did the same thing with the Cone Brother films. Where I'm like, here's my stack. Yeah. Which ones do you want to watch? Yeah. To watch with me, and yeah. then I'll put those off. Right. And then I'm gonna have to event, remember remind you about halfway through the month, like, because I mean I I don't blame her because she goes to work at like five thirty in the fucking morning. Sure. So she's ready for bed by like eight by the time she gets home because it's not like being a nurse during the pandemic is a fucking physically demanding job. Right. So she's tired and she will fall asleep very quickly usually. Right. So that's Robin. If, if she if she doesn't get to watch the movie, I can't be mad at her for that reason. Right. So yeah, because meanwhile I just played fucking horse all day Thursday with kids and <laughs> had to go home. You know, time to go home half a day. I've shown her the the uh, the Descendants trailer and she has just been kind of silent on it. Should it's, I just that, that film's a heartbreaking movie? Should I just watch that by myself? I feel like I can't watch it by myself. It's a it'll tough, be like pathetic. It's it, it's kind of a hard movie to watch too because it's not a happy film. No. Uh, but it's really good, and uh, what's her name? As you see, Brooklyn has been added to the, the watch list. Yeah. Shailene um, Woodley, is that your Yeah, account? yeah, she's really good in it. Has decided that they can agree to disagree on their political views. Whoo! Oh yeah, in other words, you just like fucking Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> He's kind Aaron, of a dumb meathead jock idiot, but you but know. he does make $40 million a year. He makes $40 million a year, and he's Aaron Rodgers, and I get to go anywhere I want with him. Uh, <laughs> the movie that we are going to watch this weekend as a family, and it's going to be horrible, but I can't wait, is Geostorm. Geostorm! I cannot wait to watch Geostorm. I've never watched it. it I only on know HBO. about it because of, um, you know, the How Did This Get Made episodes. Yep. Speaking of those guys, you know, have you seen as for the new Pam and Tommy Lee miniseries? Yes. Did you know Jason Manzukis uh, voices Tommy Lee's penis? No. <laughs> Why would I know that, Dan? 
No. Uh, apparently, I, apparently, in the Pam and Tommy Lee series, starring Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee, yeah, um, there are there's an animatronic penis. Okay. That he talks to. Okay. And it's voiced by Jason Mitsukas, <laughs> which I was like, okay, maybe I'll watch that. But now I really want to watch that, and I'm kind of mad that they've been doing like repeats on how did this get made for a while. Because mm. damn it, I wish he had been able to like promote that. Yeah. Like when they're like, hey, you know, what do you want I to want plug, to hear, Jason? I want to hear you address this. I'm Tommy Lee's penis in an, in an upcoming <laughs> miniseries. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm the voice of Tommy Lee's right. penis. Uh, Geostorm. Geostorm. It is on HBO right now. It is uh, one of those that I all I do want to watch. We are going to watch it. It the I love the rating distribution. The on Letterboxd, uh, everything is three or lower. Uh, there are very few that are higher than three. <laughs> I do love it when the bell curves on the wrong end of threes. Yeah, uh, some I'm I'm fat. That's one of my. Uh, I'm a stat guy. Uh, I love that about Letterboxd. I'm always fascinated by different movies' uh, distribution of ratings because mm-hmm. some of them, like especially since I've been trying to go through the Letterbox Top Two Fifty, not the Letterbox Top yeah. Two, yeah, the Letterbox Top Two Fifty, which is like the top two hundred and fifty narrative films of all time um it's basically everything on letterbox that is a narrative feature length film um with a score the the lowest rated one is is somewhere in the four twos i forgot this was a dean devlin film too uh yeah um what was the other one (laughs) which reminds me right now in dover you know how they have the two the two theater the oh yeah yeah he was responsible for writing the horrible godzilla movie oh yeah he was emmerich's writing partner yeah um Currently showing at the Dover Theater, we have the three and a half hour long Japanese film, which will be definite Oscar nominated, Drive My oh, Drive Car. Drive My Car, yeah. And the Roland Emmerich filmed Moonshot, or whatever it is. Uh, Those are your two options right now. The three and a half hour long. Moonfall. Moonfall. You have the three and a half Kinda hour long see art Moonfall. film, and the absolute opposite of an art film. Kind of want to see Moonfall. I kind of want to see both, like. <laughs> In the same day. Double feature. Yeah. Uh, speaking of three and a half hour um, Japanese movies, I have added some Kurosawa's to my list. Ooh. Seven Samurai is like four hours long. Flies by, though. It really does. It is 207 minutes. That was my... That was my... That's ori- three and a half hours, I guess. That was my original Criterion film. That was like the first one I ever oh bought. Gosh. I bought that and Chasing Amy. Like, those were my first two. Way back on DVD. I still have my DVD of that. Uh, have you seen The Killing? The Kubrick? Yeah. Yeah. G- good film noir. It's got McClough short, in it. And it's short. Uh, yes. I like that. It's barely um, over an hour long. <laughs> see, the, the Kurosawa thing started, I want to watch High and Low. Mm. Um, but I feel like I've I, never seen that one. I feel like I have to watch Seven, Seven Samurai and Yojimbo first. Yeah. Not that they're tied together, but uh, for some reason I do, just chronologically. Yeah. Thro- Thrown of Blood, Ran... Um, is so there's, many good ones. there's another one. He did uh, a, like a lot of like earlier crime films because he got mm. Kurosawa gets all his attention for the samurai, samurai films, stuff. But he did a lot of stuff prior to that. He's one. It's like every time there's a Criterion sale at Barnes and Noble for half off, I'm like I should pick up a fucking Kurosawa. But then I remember they have like eight films of his in the in the collection, mm. and I'm just like. I know as soon as I buy, like, two or three, they're going to issue a fucking box set. Mm. And then I'm going to be pissed. 
Um, I also have Ran in. It's mm -hmm. a, I put that in because it's uh, most of his like big ones are like from the sixties. This is nineteen eighty five. Yeah, that was, was one pretty, of his last. That, pretty fucking. That awesome. was like his la one of his last films, and that film's fucking gorgeous. Um, is Sanjuro a sequel to Yojimbo? Because I, they I, have I, very similar box art. Well, yeah, and they're a two pack. Uh, usually, okay. you can buy them as a two pack. I can't remember if they're a sequel or if they're just thematically linked. Okay. I've never seen Sanjuro. I've seen Yojimbo. Andrew. Never, I've never seen the other one. It's not playing anywhere. It's not. It's not playing anywhere. It's not, not even stream. on the Criterion. It's not streaming anywhere. It's not streaming on Criterion. No. I know a bunch of them just went off. Ooh, criterion. it's not even on Just Watch. I hate that. Yeah, it's not there. Because last month there were a ton on the Criterion. Oh, you Himbo is currently on HBO Max though. It has been for a long time. Yeah, it was on Criterion. It's been part of that in January, that and, and then a bunch of them went off because there were like thirty Kurosawa films on the Criterion Channel for a while. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I've kept putting Yojimbo off because it's uh, it's been on HBO forever. Probably be gone as soon as. Oh uh, nope. I actually want to watch it. Sanjuro is currently on Criterion. Oh, cool. So uh, yeah, you can util you can utilize my Criterion thing there. And I still haven't had the uh, I haven't worked up the nerve to watch Come and See yet. I mean, that's what I'm waiting for. Mm. I did get in there and poke around though. <laughs> I know. Every time I get like, no, I'm gonna watch it now. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Sorry. This poster's just haunting. Um, what else do I want to watch that I have never watched? Of my old ones that I've been going through, uh, I've never seen In the Heat of the Night. Mm. Uh, the old Poitier? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was good. I still have to watch Hard Day's Night, which you got me for Christmas, the Criterion of. Uh, a lot of the the, the Hitchcocks. Uh, <laughs> which reminds They just put that out on fucking 4K. I know, I saw like, it. It was, it was, was like, like, God damn it. It was like a month later, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so uh, I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine it's going to look much better. No. Because the, 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 the Blu-ray looks pretty good. Yes. Uh, I've been impressed just like by how good... Uh, like, Once Upon a Time in the West looks terrific. Yeah. Um, and that's just on Hulu. Um, yeah, so I have Rear Window and Vertigo on there. I've had those on there for a while. But I added the wrong man because I'm trying to get Henry Fonda onto my top list. That'd, just so be, I, cool. That'd be cool. Just so I can see him on there. Um, Rope. Have you seen Rope? Oh, yeah. I love Rope. Rope is good. Rope is one of those ones that was filmed in one take. Even uh, though it's three takes. Sure. But it's still a film made and done in three fucking takes. It's, it takes place all in one room. Basically, um, oh, Christ, it's based off the, um, I am forgetting the names, but it's two, like, young, rich gay men who kill the person. It's only 80 minutes long, Yeah. Man. Well, that's why, because it, it's, like, it's like a play, yes. essentially. It takes yes. place all in one room while they've got a man tied up in a fucking trunk in front of hmm. them, and they basically are holding, like, a party while the man is in the trunk. Nice. So it's kind of like a uh, Telltale Heart sort of thing? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, yeah, I'd put it along that. I will compare anything to Telltale Heart. Um, oh, I still haven't watched the uh, that uh, completely shifting gears. The Gareth Evans Eco UI pre raid movie that I bought like a oh, month ago yeah. for that's it's on Tubi now, <laughs> uh, and I bought it like a month ago for five bucks. Um, Old, you watched old. How was it old? I know it was, it, it was, was enjoyable. A little, a little better than you thought it was going to be. It was enjoyable. Yeah, it was a good mid-level. Because um, Robin was that too. It's enjoyable. It's not nearly. It's it's. I mean, it's not top tier, but it's not a bad film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. 
I think the people that didn't like it got mad because of what it wasn't. What do you expect at this point? I don't fucking I mean, know. Yeah. I mean, he... It's a trees. I can't do it. I can't do the, the Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, that fucking movie. I know. What a weird... There are some... You can find on the line, too. There are some people who are, like, hardcore defenders of that film. Of The Happening? Yeah. Wow. I actually, like... I actually... Uh, the, the premise for The Village is really cool. Uh, it was just not executed very well. Yeah. Um, that is one of, one of the good things about the internet. You can always find someone who's very passionate about something they should not about be passionate about. how good the happening is. Like, um, wow. this, I watched the Nick, I think I can't remember what I told you last week. I watched the screen, the Nick Cage screen drafts episode. Yeah. The number one film ended up being Ghost Rider. Oof. Because of the way the guy played the game where everybody, because you can veto shit. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. But he played it so that everybody else lost their vetoes by the time his number one pick came around and he picked that. And he gave like the most impassioned plea for why that film was amazing. And huh. part of you are like, I get what he's saying. And then you watch it and you're like, it's still garbage. <laughs> this movie stinks. I mean, because, yeah, I guess, like, some of the stuff Cage was doing on it, like, the reason he's, like, drinking the jelly beans is because they wouldn't let him Johnny Cage drink. Like, the studio were like, no, he can't drink. He's a superhero. Okay. And he's like, but he's, and, and I mean, Nick Cage is a huge Ghost Rider fan. And he's like, he like literally, they had they had to digitalize out a tattoo of Ghost Rider that he has on his body. Yeah. So like, he was like, well, if you're not going to let him drink, he's going to be drinking jelly beans out of a martini glass. And they're like, what? He's like, nope, that's what he's doing. But why? Exactly. And he's like, because you won't let me do this. Like most of the really weird fucking choices he makes in that film, like him like loving like the monkey movies and whatnot. Because they wouldn't let him do something else. I saw this movie once, like, 15 years ago. Yeah. Or whenever it came out. I, I mean, I can't explain a lot of the other choices away, but most everything he does in that film, it's a direct correlation to something the studio said they couldn't do. Nice. So he's like, well, fuck you then. I'm going to do this. <laughs> I will sabotage my own movie. Yep. Pretty much. Still got a sequel out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. I don't know that I've ever seen the sequel. I have once, and I don't. I, I honestly, I might have taken a nap in the middle of it. When would it have even come out? Like two, three years after the original, because I remember Idris Elba being in it. I don't remember what he is in it. Like I said, I other than him turning like a giant piece of like machinery into like a Ghost Rider vehicle, like a fucking bucket loader or something, big giant crane. Because apparently any any vehicle that the Ghost Rider gets in turns into like a thing like that. Uh, I did not know that. And it looked great in the movie. I was like, that's fucking cool. Um, but I don't remember it being very good at all. Not this, But it was directed by the guys who did Crank. Okay. So you know they at I, least didn't take it as seriously as Mark Stephen Johnson did. I think I own Crank too, for some reason. <laughs> I don't know. I think you do because you gave me the digital, you gave me the disc version of it. Probably. Because you, you took the code. Probably. And they gave me the, the, the disc. I think I bought a bunch of act, just action $5, movie Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah pack and that was one of them mm -hmm. uh but i couldn't watch it because i didn't know what happened in the first one <laughs> <laughs> so it's just languishing there uh on my voodoo thing. statham would be another interesting one for that guy to do with his martial arts shit because he has like all yeah. kinds of martial artists it's like do statham man he, he is he, he's uh, a martial artist and he does weird shit yeah circling back to the red eye review guy um we like to keep it full circle we here. said the 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 seagal one he's is by far his biggest playlist he's done all of them um but he's also done various Nick Cages and various Van Dams. But his Van Dam one is still active. He posted one like a couple of days ago. Nice. So the Van Dam one, the library is increasing. Uh, so hopefully he'll get back to, to Nick yeah, Cage. Yeah, he only too. did nine Nick Cage, and most yeah. of them were fairly obvious. 
Yeah, and this, again, this is not like a big channel. This is just a dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, they have pretty good views now, but I mean, in the, they each have around 40,000 views. Um, but like listening to them, like you can hear the milestones, like at movie 15 or something in Seagal, he's like, hey, you just got my 100th subscriber or whatever. Yeah. So this is a small channel. Uh, so good on him that he's made it. So he's just doing this for, for kicks. But it is good. He seems to be carrying on with the Van Damme ones now that he's run out of Seagal. Yeah. But hopefully he gets back to Nick Cage. Uh, and he does, he, there's a ton of just the ones that are not uh, one actor where he just does 80s, like he just did The Last Dragon. He does 80s. Yeah, he did best of the Best, too. He did all three yeah. Best of the Best yeah. films. I'm like, fuck. Uh, yeah. it's, it's fun just to watch, just to, to relive the synopsis of some of those fucking terrible oh, movies. Oh, I loved Best of the Best as a kid. Because mm. it's Eric Roberts, and Eric Roberts yeah. is badass. Yeah. Now I'm sure it's like, this film is garbage. Yeah. I know oh, yeah. they did. I, I did, listened to an episode that they did on um, junk food cinema about one of the best of the best. And yeah. I'm like I'm like, I remember way more of this than I probably should. It's weird the stuff that you remember of things yeah. that you would have seen so many times. But anyway, do we have anything else? Yeah. What are we gonna watch? Try to watch for next week. Or next um, we're both gonna try to watch. Uh, I'm gonna try to watch that. I'm gonna watch that Seagal film you mentioned. Attack Force. I'm gonna watch Attack Force. I'll tr also try to watch Geoforce. Why the fuck not? Geostorm, Dan. Geostorm, whatever. Yeah, Geoforce is something. He's a comic book character. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was a Teen Titan. I will have seen uh, Dune by then. I will probably have seen I, French I, I, Dispatch yeah, like, by then. I'd like to discuss both of those, definitely. Um, you're going to watch No Country? Yeah, No Country will be this week. Uh... Hopefully. It's one of the ones Andrea wants to watch with me. Oh, Ghostbusters. We're watching Ghostbusters tonight. Oh, good. I, I rented that from the Redbox like two days ago. I like Ghostbusters. Awesome. All right. Uh, see you next week. Is that where we're at? Yeah. All right. See you next week.